Matt Will. No L's, just sevens. <laughs> this is the bliss, licking they lips. Twitter with this, minimal risk. Finity shifts, ripping off rip. Quick in the hits, first on the list is Matt Will. Going crazy on the daily, dropping facts like a shower in the world of rain and entertainment. Yeah, another day, another pod. All these thoughts are up facade. So I had to ask him what he got. Said he got a lot, said he got a lot of what. Got a lot of shifts, and it's time for the daily blitz. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Daily Blitz podcast, your weekly breakdown of every single NFL game. My name is Matt Williams. I'll be your host. You can find me on Twitter at M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-A-M-S. And joining me, my host, as always, Mr. John Legaza, MLB NFL Moving Averages. John, what is up? Are you ready to break down everything in week two in the NFL, betting, <laughs> DFS, and anything you can bet on? You know it. And man, it's funny. I love my claim to fame, man. If someone does it, I'm going to overdo it. You know, I've automated a bunch of my baseball work, so I've had time to really, truly prepare like a true sharp for football. And I watched every single snap from week one already. I'm working through it, getting through them the second time, because for me, context is everything. Very difficult to kind of box score, and you know, analyze the way a lot of times we do in baseball. You can't watch every pitch in baseball. So, yes, I am ready. All right, so um, for anyone who didn't tune in for week one, which is a fantastic show, we're going to go through every single game. We're going to talk about uh, the betting line. We're going to talk about DFS. We're going to talk about season long. We're going to talk about rest of season value, pretty much prop bets. Uh, anything that you can be betting on, anything we find interesting that we think you can make money on, we're going to talk about. So John's going to take over right now, uh, going game by game, starting on Sunday. Uh, John, take it away. All right, we are going to lead off. We've got Saints and Panthers. Again, people, we only have one week's worth of stats and one week's worth of tape. Neither of those is enough to really go crazy on. One thing that I am always looking at, though, Matt, is pace of play on the offense, something that stabilizes pretty quickly. So that's one of the things, again, I'm always looking at. The Saints were really slow at seconds per play. The drives were really sustained. That game in particular probably being the one we want to ignore the most. Your Packers kind of got rolled. Not that I think they stink. It's just sometimes games truly get away from you. They pull the, the QB. I'm not really interested in too much of that. The Saints looked really sharp. Winston looked really sharp. That stuff is definitely actionable. And the defense for the Saints was excellent. You know, again, the Packers, they kind of folded up, but they were excellent. I'm expecting a bit more this week against Carolina, who they were okay against the Jets. The Jet offense is not very good. They missed a lot of spots. Wilson missed a lot of throws and an efficient offense probably would have done a lot of work. So I'm expecting a lot of offense in this one. Actually, that New Orleans defense, again, didn't really get tested. Matt, what do you think on this one? Saints and Panthers, the market's not incredibly high on it. 44 and a half points in an over with this many skill position players going is not really, you know, a high total game. You want to really see that at 49.50 or higher. So one of us has to be wrong who do you got all right for for most of my analysis everyone i'm going to be pretty much talking from a dfs perspective as far as particular keep an eye on and i do think this will be a little bit of a lower scoring affair uh i think when new orleans did to green bay was an anomaly i think green bay will bounce back who the hell knows what happened uh the, the main thing that i saw was alvin Kamara. of uh, two different things one he had 20 carries which was like the second highest in his entire career only had four targets. Super weird. Uh, Tony Jones Jr. was actually heavily involved. Not enough to like scare off anyone starting McCaffrey, but it looks like he will definitely be involved, uh, which a lot of people thought. But with Latavius Murray leaving town, with there being no clear backup that it was like a, 
with a clear track record, people thought Alec Romero would go nuts. So, I mean, I would anticipate that to kind of be the case, but in a, in a game that I consider to be maybe a little more low scoring, I think this will just be running backs, running backs, running backs. And you have Alvin Kamara versus Christian McCaffrey, neither of them cheap. McCaffrey, though, coming in at 9,900, Kamara 8,800. I mean, take the 1,000 uh, discount and go with Alvin Kamara. Uh, McCaffrey is is McCaffrey. I mean, 30 touches in the first game. So he's going to be fantastic. And, you know, going against um, going against New Orleans is, is not a, a massive difference, but they, they did shut down um, Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones last week. So, you know, it, it's, I guess, something to think about, nothing to be worried about. As far as the passing attack, um, you know, Jameis Winston had an incredible game, only 14 to 20 for 148 yards. He was incredibly efficient at five. Yeah, touchdowns. how many touchdowns did he throw? Five, five <laughs> touchdowns. Uh, I mean, on the other side, um, you know, the revenge game for the Panthers, uh, you have uh, Sam Darnold rolling out there, not having that bad of a game, 24 of 35 for 279, only one touchdown. Um, he, his big games in fantasy are going to revolve around his ability to get into the end zone. And that a lot of that might run through Christian McCaffrey. DJ Moore was, you know, doing DJ Moore things. Uh, Robbie Anderson wasn't really um, involved. He did find his way, I believe into the end zone, which is the only thing that really saved his day. He got behind the defense and did score one large touchdown. So he'll be a GPP play at a discount. Um, you know, uh, Robbie Anderson, but overall it's, I think it's very hard to trust Anyone here? I mean, you got DJ Moore for only fifty nine hundred um, against the the Saints again against that Saints defense that you know completely shut down the Packers. So it's it's hard to uh, truly um, to t- truly expect anything. But for only one hundred dollars more than Robbie Anderson, I guess that would be the play you want. Deontay, you know, Harris. He had a big uh, game last week after Callaway disappointed. I, I think those are really pie in the sky um, guesses for this week. So oh yeah, overall expect low scoring. I went on and on and on to basically tell you that this is going to be very, very low scoring. And I think that even with their talent, McCaffrey and Kamara are a little bit, um, a little bit risky in what I expect to be a low scoring game. If you are investing in one of them, I probably would go with Kamara. But again, Christian McCaffrey is probably going to be worth putting in your lineup each and every week, kind of regardless. He's, he's everything proof. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just not, I'm not interested in, in, in uh, really, investing in this game but you can never go wrong with it yeah i I think maybe one point i think i I think i agree with you and even if i'm backing off the high scoring or i end up that way you know as we're setting final lineups and stuff i definitely like dj Moore at the price on DraftKings. 5900 is way too low for a guy that can be you know this i think is an overreaction he let in wide receiver team snaps and target percentage is we finally got 23 percent of the team's targets six out of eight. So I, I, more, I still really like, I don't think the Saints defense is as good as we saw, even if I do think they are good. All right, Matt, let's move it on. All right. Next up, we got Bengals and we got bears strike cats going to Chicago again, Matt. I watched every single snap and I was taking notes as I went along the way. One of the things that stood out to me more or at least as much as anything was the Bengal defense up front. They were very, very good. They pushed around the Minnesota Viking front seven. They were a headache. They were an absolute headache. Not something we thought was going to be very good. Flip side, so was the Bengal O-line. These are the things I'm really looking for. We knew Burrow, the potential is there, but they protected him and he 
produced, man. My big takeaway was Bengals to the moon, man. They look excellent. I think we fast forward with some of the warts we've seen in that division. This team could be playing for it. There might be a potential futures bet there. I think the Bengals right now are one of the offenses I absolutely want to be tied to on a week-to-week basis. And I know it was the Rams, but the Bears defense got beat up. They were last in total DVOA. They were last in a lot of stats, man. They were not very good. Got beat up by the pass. Almost 16 yards per completion. That was bottom three. Man, I I like the Bengals to win this one outright as a dog. That's generally how I like to bet on football people. It's not always chalk, and especially when it's juiced up. I don't pay any of that. And to the daily side, it's everybody. I want want everybody. I want everybody on the Bengals today, Matt. Like I said, I just think they're still being undersung. Jamar Chase looked excellent. No dropsies there. Sounds like a fellow co-host of mine, something that he said. Chase was excellent. The connection with Burrow was excellent. Chase is going off at 5K. Talk about a discount. Burrow is going off at 5.8 if, in fact, the Bears defense is fugazi, Matt. This has a potential to be the cheap stack to own. What do you think? Yeah, I I like... I like everybody. I even like Chicago uh, a lot in this game. I will start with them just because you went on how, how much the Bengals were great. And I'll talk about them because <laughs> they're all, I, I do want a big part of that. Uh, Allen Robinson, 11 targets in week one. A lot of uh, low A dot shares in there, though, but he will be lined up against Eli Apple. And as someone from New York, you probably know, even though you're a Jets fan, uh, I think you would know enough to know that Eli yep. Apple is, is terrible. Totally uh, <laughs> so I think that um, at 6,200, that is a decent, um, you know, maybe it's almost like a, a, it's more of a cash game play, I think for safety, but I think it's 6,200. Allen Robinson obviously is uh, someone that you want to take a shot at. Uh, Darnell Mooney, I think, um, you know, he, he only had 26 yards for on five receptions, but I think that uh, as a GPP play with that uh, kind of downfield threat Mooney can get against this Cincinnati defense, I think that for only 4,200, he is someone I probably want to maybe work in this some lineups, especially if you're doing multiple ones um, on the running back side, uh, by the way, this is no one you want to pair with Andy Dalton. Forget he exists um, on the running back side, David Montgomery. No, thank you. Uh, he is 6,100, which is definitely not bad. He had a good game too. Um, you know, every, all the, the people that were kind of touting him all off season are, are, are very, very happy. <clears throat> was that, was that you? Uh, well, I, it, okay. It wasn't necessarily that as that was my favorite RB two that I thought was an RB one, you know? So for me, he was representing the end of that shelf in fantasy drafts where I thought he was going way too late. We spoke about the workload. We talked about the potential. I like the backup and the backup at the cost. David Montgomery checked every box. I like for fantasy. He's probably the most owned running back that I had because I like to diversify up top, but he just <laughs> represented such a value. I think he's going to be excellent all throughout the year. Maybe this week. I don't know. That front seven was tough, man. And the Bengals are going to push on offense if they're behind. This well, I won. <laughs> now that I poked the bear, uh, and a lot of people, <laughs> I mean, I guess pun intended. Uh, here's the thing with David Montgomery. It's, oh, hi, oh, I see what in, you did there. In, in season long, he is going to be solid. And he had 16 carries in this one for 108 yards. Again, 16 carries though. As far as um, Damian Williams gets six, um, Damian Williams also had four um, 
four receptions, David Montgomery only one. All the targets pretty much went to Damian Williams. For anyone who loved the David Montgomery because they quote Damian Williams sucks, that is very wrong. I think you saw David Montgomery have a solid game at first, but to me, I mean, I think it confirms Damian Damian Williams is going to be a problem for David Montgomery and will cut into his ceiling. Um, so that is something I want to keep an eye on. Obviously, in this game at 6,100, that's a perfectly fine price to play. But in GPP, I don't want to cut my legs off. Uh, and I think Damian Williams does that slightly. Maybe it doesn't happen that way. We've only seen one game. <laughs> but in week two, with limited information, I'm going to not... I'm not going to be putting my money on David Montgomery. Let's see another game of usage. Let's see another game of targets. Let's see how the Chicago um, offense is going to run before maybe throwing it all in on David Montgomery, where you need his ceiling to crack. Cause I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. Um, so, but you know, it's more of a question mark thing. So bear with me on that. Everyone. I think David Montgomery in DFS is someone you probably want to stay away from. Um, even though his, his price is only 6,100 at 900 more is Joe Mixon, which for 7,000, especially with so many people fading him, that may seem a little expensive, but my God, did he get a lot of carries? Yeah. <laughs> he led, he led all the NFL, I believe in rushing yards uh, in week one, he had 78 of his 127 yards after contact, uh, which was, which was fantastic. And he kind of gave you everything you wanted to see if you were a believer in Joe Mixon. It's not exactly the most efficient, um, you know, 29 carries for 127 yards for, for Joe Mixon, where uh, I think we just mentioned it took, uh, it took, how, how, how many did, um, how many did Montgomery have? 16. 16. So, um, you know, Joe Mixon is, uh, you know, need, will need like, I guess the extra touches, but again, he's going to get them. And that's the name of the game in fantasy. You know, yeah. he had 20, again, 29 carries and he also got four uh, receptions in there. So he, you know, on four targets. So I think that he is going to be the only person you can count on in the Cincinnati offense. The wide receivers are fantastic, but I think this is a problem like Tampa Bay and um, well, not Dallas because Michael Gallup's gone. And, and there was really a one, a one B and then Gallup. Whereas in Tampa Bay, there's three alphas and yeah. there's kind of three alpha ishes in, in Cincinnati. I love Jamar chase. And this week, again, I'd be in on him at only 5,000 Tiggins is four, 54 chase is five. I think we saw enough last week to think that there's a good chance Burrow and Chase are just going to make this a weekly ritual. So at 5,000, I'm in. But yeah. T. Higgins at 5'4 and Boyd at 4'7, that tells you that DraftKings isn't very confident um, because I think, like, again, Tampa Bay, Mike Evans disappe- disappeared last week. A- Antonio Brown stepped up. I think that could switch itself. I think it could happen in Cincinnati week to week. I don't see how all three can possibly succeed to the point where it would satisfy everyone. I, I can see two people succeeding, um, but I think it could change. But again, 5,000, I'll be in on Chase. You can be in on any of them at their price, but I think Chase is the guy, 5,000. Uh, Tyler Boyd has a little bit of a cap ceiling. So for GPPs, you probably want to fade off of that. T. Higgins could be due for a big bounce back after he had that little bit of an injury scare, which I think ended up being nothing more than uh, needing some uh some water <laughs> the hydration but yeah this is a, this is a group that'll be good all season the pricing probably won't ever be this low again um if they as they start to establish more of a pattern of maybe what joe burrow likes to do uh yeah. we'll, we'll start to to see more defined um more defined pricing but joe mixon absolutely will be involved so that's why he's higher priced 
And I think that's why it makes him a much safer. But Jamar Chase at 5,000, love DT Higgins at 54, I think is great because for only 400 more, I, I think he has significantly less um, ownership. Wow, that was that was awesome because you got a, a money line underdog. You got value plays there. I'm going to just put one little cherry on it, and it's for fantasy. And it's a trick that I used to use all the time when I played a lot more in season than I do now and had less kids and more time. But it's identifying backups that have a chance to step into RB1 scenarios and getting them before the, you know, Elijah Mitchell craze happens, the gold rush happens, let's say, right? And there's two of them in this. Matt mentioned Damian Williams. The other one is Samaj P. Ryan. The way that the Bengals used Mixon, if he goes down, P. Ryan looks like the clear fill-in. He does a little bit of everything. We've seen him explode at the end of last year. I was kind of making this argument in best ball drafts, but it, it seems to have stuck now. The same for Williams. So the, those are guys that if I have a spot of a player I'm not really crazy about, give me one of these guys every Sunday. Pick them up in free agency just in case you could be picking up that $800 fan pick, right, Matt, for free before, you know, the, like I said, before the market demand really hits. So that's always just a trick that I like to give. All right, let's move it from here. All right, next on his board, we got the Houston Texans and the Cleveland Browns. Matt, I would like to lead with an apology. I want you to start off with this game, but I do want to lead off with an apology to Tyrod Taylor. I'm sorry for all the preseason work and analysis that I did. He really somehow slipped past my radar. You brought up that he was a competent quarterback. And as I started getting closer to the season, I mentioned the more sharps that I spoke to, the more of them were on Houston to win. Having, you know, the the QB, the, the professional quarterback, I, I think Lawrence will be great, but we saw that Jaguar offense struggle. Matt, you lead off here, Houston and Cleveland. All right. Um, I mean, Houston, there, there's nothing you want here. There's nothing, there's nothing you want. Um, week one, you saw Mark Ingram. Everyone was deciding between David Johnson and Phil Lindsay. So naturally Mark Ingram became the beast, right? Uh, it doesn't, it, it does not matter. And you could, you can be like, Oh, we'll pick your poison. And maybe something will happen. Not against Cleveland, not against Cleveland. Their defense is very legitimate. Um, and uh, you want to completely fade the group, even though they're coming in at 52, five and four, six, uh, no, thank you to any of that. And, and again, no, thank you to Brandon cooks as well. Who's who is obviously the man to roster with Houston. He had seven targets, five catches for 132 yards, but this Browns defense has, has a pretty badass secondary and I want nothing to do with that at all. Uh, moving over to the real, the real side to talk about is, is the Browns 7,800 for Nick Chubb. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> I, I don't know any other way around it. I don't like it as much as Mixon, who comes in at 800 less, because Mixon has all the carry. He has all right. the targets. He has all the all the carries, all the targets. That's that's what's going to happen. Um, in this game, you would expect Cleveland to be up, which should be a good thing for Chubb, because they probably won't be using Cream Hunt through the air as much once they're up. Earlier in the game, who you know, it'll obviously be a different case. Cream Hunt coming in and only 5,800 kind of screams to you value. But again, I can't see a reason why the Browns aren't up in the first quarter and put it away from there, uh, at least, or, you know, in the first half. So I think Kareem Hunt, they priced him there. Uh, like, you know, any, anyone else, um, any other casino type place trying to get you to play some bets. It's there. His price so low for a reason, folks. Sometimes they make mistakes. I don't think this is one of them. Uh, I, I wouldn't go with Kareem Hunt. And if you want Nick Chubb, I would still, I would rather go with Joe Mixon. But if you just want to mix him in there, uh, <laughs> Mixon, Mixon, um, Nick Chubb, 
I mean, you know, you can't go wrong. 7,800, he's going to have a monster game versus this total total uh, dumpster fire that, that is Houston. The the rest of the, the team, um, you know, Odo Beckham Jr. has already been declared out for a second straight game. Uh, Jarvis Landry as a PPR machine, I don't know if uh, I ever going to truly like him. But at 6,300, I think that uh, against Houston, he probably stands to have a pretty fantastic game in this one. He only had two... Um, he only had two receptions for 13 yards in week one against Kansas city. And it's, it's not my favorite play here, but another one, I'll go back to the well with Donovan peoples Jones, who was just a ghost in week one. Uh, he was nowhere to be found. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Jarvis Landry, by the way, he had five catches for 71 yards on five targets. I'm sorry. Um, I was actually looking at his rushing total. I'm sitting here like, well, he had more than that, didn't he? And he in fact <laughs> did. Uh, so Jarvis Landry at, um, like I said, at, at 6,300 should have a fine game. Uh, he'll need to find the end zone to truly break out in GPP because he's, you know, one of those Sterling Shepard types, one of those Brandon Cooks types that are, are probably going to be just like target hogs. Um, yeah. But yeah, if you're looking to separate yourself at 3,000 bare minimum, Donathan Peoples-Jones, I think, after being completely left in the cold for one target for four yards, uh, he would be someone I'd be taking a look at. There'll be some people trying to jump on Anthony Schwartz, uh, you know, and and uh, maybe some of the, uh, the the tight ends in this one. But yeah, overall, I think you want to go with a run game. Uh, I think Jarvis Landry is a fine person, especially for cash play in GPP with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. out again against Houston. I, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones, um, will you know it only take like two catches to make it worth it, uh, if he you know if if they hit him deep and I think that's a, a strong possibility. Yeah, I think the the strongest play is, is what you nailed this. It's it's Nick Chubb. The Cleveland offensive line just totally bowled out. I mean, top in the league again. These stats are it's early, but they shoved Kansas City around first in rush DVOA, first in adjusted line yards, top three in rush yards, second in running back yards per attempt for rushing TDs already. I mean, like, they were really, really good. That's what they do well. The one thing I wanted to say about Houston is I'm going to make money betting on Houston this year. As I was watching them and taking my notes, they're not as bad as people make them. They're just vanilla this Brown's team excels at the thing that Houston struggles with. So that's why I do think this one is getting out of hand. I wouldn't be looking to cover 12 and a half if I'm Cleveland backers, not at all. And I'm not ever paying minus 650. So I would junk that, you know, yes, yes. Houston could lose by two touchdowns, but I wouldn't bet either side of this one. I'm serious. If you think this one is, a, is an absolute blowout, you got to watch Houston a little more closely. Tyrod Taylor was competent. Oh, I do, by the, the way. I, I do think this is a blowout if you want to make this a, a $1 board bet. Oh, but you, what, you got them covering covering the 12 and a half. Then. I think that Baker Mayfield lost a very tough game in week one that they should have won, and he threw a temper tantrum pounding the field. Uh, they have an opportunity here to put it on a bad team, and I think that he's going to try to fill the box score. Uh, that's also why I like Donovan Peoples, by the way. I think that they'll be airing it out once they have a lead, um, even though they're going to be trying to run the clock down. I think Baker Mayfield is going to be doing everything he can to be like, all right, listen, we're a legitimate team. And he, he's, I think they're going to try to put it on Houston. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I just I see two of the slower teams in the league as far as pace. You know, Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland well, no, you see, well, by the way, time. you're you're talking of you're talking in terms of practical betting, which I am not. <laughs> I'm talking in terms of taking a, in form of value because you're thinking of betting. I'm thinking DFS narratives. Well, so DFS I, too. I I just like Chubb. I, I think I I don't see Cleveland 
stepping on the gas once they're ahead. I think they're going to do what they do, take a long time to get to the line of scrimmage, then run efficiently, get first downs, eventually get into the end zone. I just don't – and then we saw the uh, – yeah, I mean, it would be the Cleveland's defense response. I just don't think Houston is as terrible. It's, it's very easy to just say they were gross – my problem here has been rating, but it is true. But my my problem is rating the Cleveland pass defense very hard to grade somebody after just playing Kansas City because they played them really tough for the beginning of that game. And then listen, the Chiefs did what the Chiefs do, but they kept them from covering it up. But you know, so if you look at the Browns' pass D stats, they're very bad. But facing the Chiefs, those things are going to happen. The Texans' pass D stats are bad. They face the Jaguars. So there's just a little food for thought. It's not so much that I agree with you. I just don't think Cleveland operates fast enough. And I'm not sure the defense is good enough where they're going to totally blow them out. Let's keep it going for you. On deck, it is the Rams going to Indy to face the Colts. The Rams are one of the two teams, Matt, that I have already placed a Super Bowl wager on already in this young season, the other being the Arizona Cardinals. Again, as I was watching, I'm looking for teams that play all three phases, but at least in particular that play offense and defense. Rams do just that. Man, Stafford came in. He looked excellent. They looked crisp. People thought the Chicago offense it's going to be at least stand their way, let's say. They didn't do a great job of that. Henderson was better running the ball than I thought he was going to be. Again, I'm not really looking at box score. 16-70-1 is okay. I was just watching it. Man, he hit it hard. He was cutting hard. He looked really good. Stafford looked crisp as part of a new offense. Him and Cup looked like they'd been working together for a long time. Tyler Higby was involved. Oh, man, they look really good. Rams are going to be a handful for a lot of different teams. And, man, they just moved it up and down the field. They ran well. They passed well. Colts on the other side. I, the one thing that I had written down for the Colts, actually two, was, one, Matt, I thought they looked very good considering the quarterback was missing for a good piece of exhibition. So I don't expect growth to be linear. I think the Colts are going to get better week by week. The other thing that I wrote down about the Colts, this is for the DFS people out there, was Zach Pascal looks to me like Wentz's favorite guy. I was a Pittman guy coming into the season. Pittman, again, being a bit of an unknown man, right, with the injuries that we'd seen. So, I, I again, with a price that was baked in, I didn't. I knew there was some uncertainty. But if I could go back and do it again, I'd have a lot more Pascal than I have, which is actually zero. So that's really just my take is I think the Rams, man, I think the Rams kind of roll everybody. They're only a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Again, the Colts' defense is okay, but the total is at 48-and-a-half. The market thinking there's going to be some scoring. I think it's going to be done by the Rams. I pretty much laid out what I like about it, which is just about everything. Give me L.A. on Sunday over the Colts. What I miss, Matty? I will say this about Pittman. I think he'll be after after Sunday. He'll probably be my favorite buy low of the of the week, uh, just because I I mean he had almost as many targets as as Pascal week one. The, the touchdowns went to Pascal, which is the the entire story. Based, um, you know that uh, that 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 is the only, that is the big difference between a bad fantasy game and a good fantasy. Game. Not that you can take that away from Pascal, but 
Uh, this week, Michael Pittman probably going to have Jalen Ramsey all over his ass. So he's in for another bad game probably. Um, but I think rest of season, I still like him. And you could probably get him super cheap if you have uh, trades available in your season long. Uh, that being said, I, I, uh, the Colts, I do expect to be behind. Um, but the Rams' um, rush defense did get carved up by uh, David Montgomery in week one. We saw that um, even though Naheem Hines was involved as – as he ever, you know, as he ever was, um, he's, he's coming in at 4,700. Jonathan Taylor at 7,200. We saw that Jonathan Taylor had just one less target than Hines, which was very shocking to see. So uh, I would think that Jonathan Taylor isn't, isn't a terrible play in this one. I think that there are better ones. Naheem Hines at 4,700, I think is a fine value as someone that I think Carson Wentz has proven. He is definitely going to be targeting the running backs quite frequently. Yeah. Um, my favorite play at 5,700, which is so stupid is, is Darrell Henderson for me. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know, I, I know that they are uh, playing the Colts, which are, are typically like a team that you want to want to avoid, but uh, you know, they, they allowed Chris Carson <laughs> to kind of cut through them for 5.7 yards per carry. And Sony Michelle got one carry. This was the Darrell Henderson show and he yeah, had 94% of snaps. Man. Yeah. 17 touches to Michelle's one at 5,700 against yeah. a team that just allowed Chris Carson to go 5.7 yep. yards per carry. Yeah. You can say that it was an anomaly for Henderson. You expect Michelle to be more involved. You can say that the Colts are going to be better. You can say whatever you want, but at 5,700, you, you absolutely have to be exposed to this. So yeah, he, he looks really good. He's got to be one of my favorite plays of the week at price. I love, I absolutely love that call. And again, I, I really have, I, I think it comes from betting professionally. I really have no issue disconnecting from bad calls and losses. And I suggest that people get used to that. If you're going to be doing this kind of stuff, it really makes it a lot easier. I was not in on Henderson. I didn't know if he embodied that kind of 94%, you know, snap role. Hey, how and many, only- how many running backs in the NFL are true bell cow? You can count them on one hand. Yeah. I mean, sh- Shoot, I don't man, expect him hard. to be. I don't expect him to be. By the way, especially in an eighteen-week season, um, I, I think that that'll that'll settle down. But yeah, in the immediate future, it looks like he's in for quite the role. Well, I, he was behind. This is Darrell Henderson Jr. As far as snap percentage goes, he was only behind Najee Harris at one hundred. He was in front of Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Joe Mixon, Chris Carson, Devil Singletary. That's because he was second overall. They seem to have that plan in place where you know they like what they see. And again, so do I. It's I, I hate being if this sounds arrogant, but it's hard to make my note page when I'm watching all these games because I'm kind of busy. And it really jumped off the page. Henderson really looked phenomenal. I think he's a tremendous value. I think he won't be this cheap again. I want to bring up one more player I thought was funny because I was nodding as you were saying 5,700, Matt. I wonder if you thought what I was thinking is that Robert Woods, I think, is also probably a bit underpriced here. What do you think? I know you are a Woods guy. I'm surprised he didn't come up. Actually, I meant to bring him up. <laughs> I, I, I think I skipped by the wide receivers on the Rams for some reason because I was so excited to get to Henderson. Cooper Cup is obviously, obviously the favorite here for um, uh, by, uh, by Matthew Stafford in week one. And the way that Tyler Lockett kind of carved up last week, you'd think that would probably be the case again. Uh, but yeah, uh, he comes in at sixty uh, at six thousand to Woods fifty seven hundred. This would be purely a, a contrarian play for ownership's sake because I think Cup for only three thousand more 
makes all the sense in the world why um, his price is a much better value than Woods. But Woods has a higher ceiling, always will. Uh, for so for three thousand less, uh, I think a bounce back for him is a, is a sharp call. His ceiling is going to be higher than Cup, um, and I I do I do love that. <laughs> He'll be one of the guys that I have in most lineups. I definitely meant to bring him up and didn't, but yeah, I think Cooper Cup is by far safer. Um, he is a, a very good cash game play for GPPs. Absolutely, I think smash Robert Woods. Um, there'll be sharp people that are on that, but I think Cooper Cup will be the one that people are vastly putting in there because his price is still way too low for what is, I think, a pretty much a guaranteed safe role um, with Matthews. Yeah, excellent way to wrap the one. I, I had a feeling if I brought up Woods at the price with the potential. Again, one thing I just like to always get with DFS is be careful chasing last week's stats. Cooper Cup, yes, I agree, he's a focal point, but 38.5% team target shares are usually not sustainable. You know right, why? Because I, I, really- I, I, I traded Robert Woods this last week, and now I'm sad. Uh, well, that's probably good. I'm really surprised before we put the bow because we are kind of covering everything. What does a quality player like yourself get in return for Robert Woods, man? I, I traded, uh, this is more of a, I aggressively buy high earlier in the season because I, unless there's an injury, I do not change my season long rankings in my brain. I don't let single games to affect anything. And a lot of people do, which there's certain things um, that you see that you, you're going to want to do that. But for me, this is what I gave up. I gave up Robert Woods. I gave up Adam Troutman, you know, touting that, you know, that yeah. team high like target that, yeah. share. Yeah, yeah. And Trey Sermon, who who the hell knows, right? But yeah, yeah. some people that are still truly high on him. I got back Logan Thomas. Oh, nice. Because I wanted an upgraded tight end and AJ Brown. <laughs> oh yes okay 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 so okay, um okay. yeah i traded robert woods <laughs> and uh but i was able to buy low on aj brown and got logan thomas back so yeah that's what it takes for me to give up one of my favorite players uh but again uh you know aj brown i obviously had ranked ahead of robert woods i like logan thomas quite a bit um i was set at running back with like jonathan taylor aaron jones um so i didn't necessarily need a lottery ticket and trace sermon so it made sense for me uh the other team uh really needed a lottery ticket running back and they get back a safe wide receiver robert woods i don't think it's as bad as some people make it out to be i shared that with some people who are like oh my god you got away with one i love brown and i now, love brown. the, the names is, sometimes you have to put away the names but yes i do feel good about the trade and i'm happy to have aj all right man where else are you getting this kind of ubiquitous coverage people that was <laughs> bettings it's totals dfs season long best ball Matt, that's why I love talking because it's it really roots from an understanding of the game, man. That was excellent. All right. As I'm speaking about ubiquitous, man, my man, Matt, how did I forget Survivor? That was the one last piece of the puzzle I forgot. I am big on Survivor. The reason I mentioned it here is I've already run the Denver Broncos, who, again, myself alike, the other apology I'd have is probably for Mr. Teddy Bridgewater. I think I shorted him as being a competent quarterback. Watching back Denver, they're not as bad as the market thinks. Right again, Denver just ended up on that pile mat of teams where people said, oh, they stink. We're not interested. And the other side of this one, Jacksonville Jaguars got the opposite treatment. A lot of love for the, you know, the skill positions there. They looked very bad. And in fact, I don't have an official grading system yet. They were one of the worst offenses that doesn't mean they will continue to be again growth not being linear but i'm seeing people kind of touting what they saw from the pass attack yeah the numbers were there at the end of the game it's not what you wanted to see matt i watched this one back twice lawrence was inaccurate 
he looked scrambled. He looked flustered. They didn't do him any solids with blocking at all. They had one of the worst pass DVOAs. The blocking was just not there. They were worst in time of possession per drive. This is the Jaguars, but first in seconds per play. Like I said, I'm always going to bring up pace. So they want the Jacksonville Jaguars want to push it, but they were unable to because they weren't very good. Denver, like I said, just played really well. The front seven looked good, and they kind of, you know, they kind of smashed on D. They just, they looked strong. It was the Giants who throw, you know, the Daniel Jones wrinkle is a tough one to account for. Where they run so many plays out of the shotgun, and then Jones will take off. And again, he's very skilled, also. So. Hard to say Denver is going to be a good run defense going by the stats, people. Again, be careful with the box score analysis. But I was watching it. They look strong enough up front that I think they're going to get the better of this Jacksonville team. Vegas agrees. Denver's a six-point favorite on the road. Not sure I'm going there. You got to lay 290 to get that one. Not sure I'm going there either. These games, I'm generally, they just get the stamp of meh for me, Matt. What do you think? Am I underselling the excitement level here? Denver Broncos, Jacksonville Jaguars. I think this will actually be a a somewhat interesting game. Um, I, I Jacksonville can't be anywhere near as bad as we saw week one, but I'm certainly nothing I want to bet on. There's a couple of things that are weird. Obviously, the usage of James Robinson is something that will make him untouchable for the foreseeable future. Not that you were probably going to start him in this one anyways. Right. Um, Trevor Lawrence uh, actually put up quite a bit of decent numbers, at least as fantasy goes. He has three very solid wide receivers to throw to. And, but again, this isn't the week to really try it out. Denver is, uh, you know, not the best team you want to throw against DJ Chark is interesting at 5,600. Um, again, I'm not recommending it, but at 5,600, he had a ton of targets. He just didn't catch them, um, which you can do. They were uncatchable. They were absolutely. That's, that's part of what I was saying with box score analysis with these rookies. Lawrence was so bad. He, again, it doesn't mean he won't be, he won't be crisp. He was so bad. Targets, those are lo- that was like a loose use of the term, man, because yeah. they have to go somewhere. Yeah. Well, a lot of people want to just blame it purely on DJ Chark because he had he had a little bit of a drop sees problem. It happens, year. yeah. Uh, but uh if you're gonna get targeted that much, I'm gonna be interested. It is only one week. Um, so again, a 5600 in yeah, a GPP fair. in a in a in a tough matchup, no less. I don't totally mind going at DJ Chark for 5,600. It, it is uh, not a one you're going to want to fill up every single lineup with, but for those kind of, uh, for that kind of volume, I think he's okay, but you can get a much, you know, um, the Chenault's 4,900 and Jones is 4,700, which I think, you know, people will just be like, oh, well, Marvin Jones led the team in snaps. Uh, Tim, you know, the Chenault's going to a lot of work. It's Denver. It's a tough matchup. If anything, give me the guy with all the targets with the home run ability. And that's Chark. But overall, I don't want anything. Um, and I don't particularly want to invest in the Denver passing game either. Bridgewater is a low ADOT guy. Uh, Sutton didn't really do much with Bridgewater. That was a kind of a concern. Again, low ADOT. I, I wasn't fading Sutton by any means. But we got to see how Bridgewater is going to work with him, especially with Judy off the field. Tim Patrick at 4,600 is probably a decent bet. But again, between him and Hamler, uh, I think Patrick is maybe he's not even a safe bet for cash because you want to see it two games in a row. But a Hamler at 3,800 if you want some home runs, I think he's decent. Uh, We don't know how Bridgewater is necessarily going to work with Sutton for 5,200, which I think is a fine bet for the talent if you just want to just go on, you know, cream rises to the top narrative. But I think Hamler at 3,800 is okay. Uh, the bet here, there's two plays I want to do. Um, and they're both on the Denver side and neither of them a wide receiver. One is Javante Williams, 
Melvin Gordon was obviously the guy in week one, yeah. 11 carries for 101 yards and a touchdown. Javante Williams had more carries, 14. He only went for 45 yards, uh, but it was his first game. Um, Melvin Gordon did th- get three catches for 17 yards on three targets. Javante only won, but you're going to tell me the guy who actually outsnapped Gordon, um, at least from a carries perspective, is uh, Gordon's going for 5,900. You can get Javante for 4,400. I think against Jacksonville, that is the guy you want to go with because they're going to continue to split. And I think Javante could break a couple and he's an interesting person again for GPP and cash. This is a big question mark. You don't want anything. Um, my favorite play of the game for cash and GPP is definitely Noah Fant, a tight end with Jerry Judy gone with the no low a dot mindset of Terry Bridgewater focuses on Noah Fant. He's going to safety. I mean, he's going to have his running backs to, to throw to, but again, I think Noah Fant is a safety outlet over the middle of the field targets, 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 targets. I think while Judy is out, he is the go-to guy for Terry, uh, for Teddy Bridgewater at 4,200. I think that is an absolute steal. So definitely my favorite play of this game, probably my favorite tight end overall uh, for value. And uh, yes, no offense. Put him in your line. Matt, that is a fantastic, fantastic pick. Fan belongs really anywhere that this, the upside is tight end one, the Broncos from watching them. Now the note I had on them so the Broncos fall into the quote-unquote vanilla category of offense. That doesn't necessarily mean they were bad. It just means that they're vanilla. They're, you know, they're tight to the line of scrimmage, high percentage passes. They use a creative run game. They like to target the tight end. So there's the fan thing. Other than that, I do not want anything to do with this game. The Broncos were probably the most efficient offense in the league. Check this out. They were one of the slowest teams in the league at 31 seconds per play, yet they were first in yards per drive and top three in time of possession per drive, 56 and a half yards per drive, four minutes and 23 seconds per drive. So if you're moving slow, and like I said, running efficiently, throwing to tight ends, they're not really stretching the field. I really don't. These are not the game scripts I want to be involved in, particularly Jacksonville gets to the line, snaps it quick, throw three poor incompletions, and then you kind of move it forward. I'm not, I, I really I like the argument that you put for Javonta Williams, and I, I, I'm not trying to really counter that so much because the way you put it, it is a GPP winning strategy, but they split the snaps equally 50-50. So like you said, for cash, you just got to leave that one. Anything left for this one, Matt? No, not really. Uh, I, I, it's basically, yeah, it's, it's going to, it's probably going to be ugly. Um, and, and Denver, I, there's so many people that can break out on Denver um, on that offense. Like I, I could see Sutton having a big game. I could see Tim Patrick having a big game. Yeah. I can see, I can see so many people having a big game, but again, I uh, will leave everyone with the words, Noah Fant. Yeah. Good job. Next up AFC East divisional matchup. This one should be really good because nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills heading to Miami to meet Tua and the Dolphins. I was on the right side of both of these bets last week. I looked particularly smart, Matt, with my underdog betting strategy. I bet the Steelers and that defense to hold up against Buffalo. I was correct. I bet on Miami to beat the Patriots, I was correct, though, on that one, it felt a little lucky. I don't know, man. Betting on sports, the when you know a game is getting away from you and everything is slipping away, that was the feeling in Miami, New England, until I think Harris coughed one up late. Very, very lucky for me. Like I said, it was not great down the stretch. Though the Dolphins did somewhat impress 
You know, they got to the line fast and they moved it. They didn't really do great on offense. That was a lot in the second half. Again, Belichick is very good at adjustments, right? So something that maybe I expected came to fruition. So I don't necessarily want to ding uh, Tua for that. You got to like Buffalo to bounce back, though. The Pittsburgh defense is phenomenal. I believe they will be a top three squad on the season. So this one, I mean, even though I do like the Miami defense, and it's a defense set in DFS map that I fall back on, I think defensive scoring is kind of random. So just give me generally, I just want the best defense at the cheapest price. And there are some that are kind of non-starters, the Dolphins being on the short list of teams that I would play. So I think on any given week, they're all right. They're going off at two and a half thousand, though I do generally avoid Allen. I'm curious if you want to see it from Allen first, if you think there are troubles in Buffalo. Like I said, my gut is this, these are not the Steelers. And uh, I mean, I think Allen's kind of set to bounce back hard for me to back up analytically after one week. What do you think, Matt? I think last season versus the Dolphins, uh, Josh Allen in two games threw for six hundred like forty yards and seven touchdowns, only one interception. I would. Yeah, I wait, would, wait. Do you want to hear? I have those here. Four seventeen and four through the air, four attempts for eighteen on the ground the first time they met. Last I checked, that's pretty good. Then two twenty four three and one. So yeah, you're right there, about six hundred yards and uh, you know seven touchdowns. Yeah, so for 7,200, I think Josh Allen's a fine play for a nice <laughs> little bounce back, uh, along with his, uh, if you want to stack it up in any way you want, Stefan Diggs is the smart money. He only had 69 yards, uh, 13 targets, along with Cole Beasley. Beasley obviously doesn't have the ceiling you want. He's oh, he's always a fine cash play. It's 4,600. He's fantastic. But uh, Diggs for ceiling and floor at 7,700. Uh, stack him up with Josh Allen. I think that's fantastic. If he gets 13 um, targets in this one. Rest assured, he's getting more than 69 yards. Um, Gabriel Davis found the end zone. I don't think I'd go there even at 3,900. It's just yeah. there's a lot of mouths to feed there between Diggs, Beasley, Sanders, uh, Davis, even Knox, uh, you know, it, it, even Singletary. Maybe we'll get some work. But um, yeah, through the receiving game um, in GPP and in cash, whatever, the guy to key in is, is Stefan Diggs, and you can stack him up with Josh Allen. On the other side, um, after having a pretty big day uh Devonte parker seems like at least on paper uh 5500 to be a a decent person to to take a look at here but um he's probably going to get tredavious white and that is not a place you necessarily want to be again he did produce he produced last week um four catches for 81 yards against a tough um patriot secondary so you can't necessarily throw that out there but i don't think it's uh the best play you want there I think that it's it's fine, but if you want to invest, I think in Tua in this offense, Jalen Waddle at forty five hundred is where I'd go for one thousand less because I think he has that home run hitting ability. He won't have the complete defensive attention that that Parker probably will, and he can definitely he, he kind of showed us um, and reminded everyone like why why we liked him so much. So in, in GPP, if you want to try something, I think Jalen Waddle is the guy overall. I don't think I really want to invest in the Dolphins pass game because Will Fuller is back. No one knows to expect from this guy. No one. There's people fading him to the high hills. There's people that are excited to have him back. But all in all, we got it's it's a difficult matchup, and we're not sure uh, early in the season with this whole um, offense together what's necessarily going to happen. So uh, the only pass catcher in this game I'm truly interested in is Stefan Diggs. I think Waddle is interesting enough. And um, before turning it back over to you, the running back game, Buffalo I never want a part of. 
right. Singletary and Moss are 49 and 45. Don't care. Uh, Gaskin's only 59 and he he's proven to be probably close enough to a bell cow, but I don't want to start him against Buffalo uh, right. in a game that I anticipate them to be uh, coming from behind. Yeah. Re- really great job. I think the big discount here is, is Allen. You know, the Dolphins defense, again, how much credit do we want to give Belichick or how much maybe have they taken a step back? They, they were not very good. You know, they allowed uh, 46 yards per drive. That was bottom three. And they were worst in time of possession per drive. Again, New England falling into that vanilla offense that I mentioned before, New England being one of the better ones. I think they're going to need John o. Smith to keep that that going. But it, it's it's that's how they play close to the line of scrimmage. Miami is going to have to keep an eye on Josh Allen. Obviously, you have to spy him. My GPP play here, Matt, is actually Emmanuel Sanders. Okay, so Sanders played the same amount of snaps as Stefan Diggs. That's good, 92%. He was third in team target share at 16. Now, Beasley and Diggs both hogged up 13 apiece. Sanders got eight. These things are not necessarily static. So I think he might have fallen apart. Again, I keep falling back on this. Don't know if you watch the game. One of the things that ha- you know that can fall by the wayside are missed opportunities, right? We see long touchdowns. They're on red zone. They're on ESPN. They're on Twitter. The misses are not always. Allen missed Sanders. Oh my gosh, Matt. He was open by like five yards and he, Allen just kind of missed him, but he was almost on the business end of like a 70 yard untouched touchdown. They went to him and they went to him deep. So it's possible. Again, I like to draw scenarios where, Miami is playing Allen close and Sanders gets behind the defense the way they, you know, it happened last week. So I think that's my GPP play. I would not go there in cash. I love your point on Waddle. So that's where I am. This game, as far as betting goes, and I, I don't know, I, I like Buffalo to cover up the three. I really do. But as a conservative better and someone who does give this advice professionally, when you look at the money line, right? So people, one thing I like to do when giving advice for betting football is to do the math, get your calculator out and don't be ashamed of it. Sometimes the points are just not worth it. Looking at three points for minus 120, opposed to a money line bet at minus 170, three points at 50 bucks, Back in the napkin math, that's like $16.90, let's say. Take those. Play the money line. Eat that little bit of juice. You don't want to have to cover up in a divisional game. I feel much more comfortable with Buffalo winning than Buffalo having to win by three on the road. Anything else on this one, Matt? I think that was an awesome recap. Not moving along. All right. Say Bill Belichick's name three times and his game appears on your board, Matt. It's the New England Patriots going to need... Uh, J-E-T something spells something right. So I stepped on this break again and again, uh, not to say the Jets are going to be bad, but I bit into some preseason hype, thought maybe the Jets would come out flying. I, of course, was terribly wrong. The Carolina Panthers defense is not that good. And the Jets offense was even worse near the bottom of the board in absolutely everything. All right. I do have a couple of notes, Matt, when you get to you, let me know if it's homerism. I don't know if you saw this one. Uh, Wilson, he was good and bad. It was the little girl with the curl. He was either really good or really bad. The misses were really bad. They were all really high. They were uncatchable. At times, he looked excellent. And he looked like one of the most poised rookies thus far. Feeling pressure in the pocket, stepping into it, 
extending plays and then working with wide receivers on those extensions, namely that long touchdown to Corey Davis. That was an excellent play. Wilson looked like a pro on that one. And then if you fast forward later on near the line of scrimmage, he hooked up with Davis again on a set piece. They pulled the rub and they pulled it off and it looked really, really good. So I wanted to lead with the bad because I didn't want to start saying that, you know, I think the Jets are going to be great. I think the Jets pass attack is going to be good. People were really upset about Elijah Moore. I know they didn't watch the game because he dropped a sick long pass to hit him right in the hands and he started complaining about it, which is a red flag for me. I don't like that, but I think the Jets passing attack is going to be good. The downside here for the Jets is the rush game. People, I don't just box score watch. I watched this one twice already. Matt, the Jets run scheme. I know people's, their first reaction is always, well, the running back, right? It's the running back. It's always the running back. The running back is good, so the rush offense is, is either good or bad. Yikes. The rush scheme was awful. It was just running into everybody. The Jets were uh, second worst in the league in adjusted line yards at 2.9. Bottom five in rush attempts. Bottom five in rush yards. Worst in the league in rush yards per attempt by the running back. Rush DVOA of minus 37.5. So the stats do kind of agree what, what I'm saying. You see what I'm doing, Matt? Like I'm not... I'm not watching the game making an assertion. I'm not going with the stats and making an assertion. But when the two things line up, the Jets' rush defense, uh, rush offense is atrocious. Belichick has a history of totally befuddling rookies. Now, Tua is not a rookie, but he's still young. And even with Tua playing good in the first half, Belichick was able to make the necessary adjustments. Carolina did not. Wilson played his best ball in the second half. I think the Jets are in a world of trouble. The market not necessarily agreeing with me here. Minus five and a half. I talked about the New England offense already. For me, it's a very good taste of vanilla. It's one of those slow-churned vanilla bean vanillas, Matt. It's a good vanilla, not a bad icy vanilla. I think the it's Pats easily. This one at five and a half for minus 110. The money line at minus 240. Do your math. That point, I don't think I want once they're up in the 20s. I think I like the Patriots minus five and a half. I think Damian Harris eats. The middle of the Jets defense is terrible. I think John o. Smith eats if he's healthy. Matt, what do you think? Um, this this is a, a bad game for the Jets. <laughs> this, yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah. You mentioned as much that uh, Bill Belichick likes to feast on rookies, and, and that, that is absolutely the truth. I mean, if you looked at it, Zach Wilson doesn't look – like you said, he didn't look bad. Um, you know, he, 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 he does look poised, but he did, he faced the third most pressure in at quarterback in week one. That is not where you want to be, especially against Bill Belichick, who's just going to make things worse for him as the, yeah. as the game goes on, you add in the Mackay Becton dislocated his knees out four to six weeks. That offensive yeah. line is even worse. I, I avoid everyone. I, I mean, Corey Davis was, I think the fifth wide, the wide receiver five for the week, um, you know, with garbage town or garbage time, but you want nothing to do with that rest of the season, Zach Wilson, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore. I think that there's some interesting things coming down the road, but you want none of it here uh, on the other side of the ball. Maybe one wait, of my wait, Matt, can I ask you a question? Because yeah. um, while you're on that, uh, Okay, so the thing that I forgot while I was going is I pointed to Davis being a legitimate option. I think he's a wide receiver one rest of season. The other thing about Belichick, other than him squashing and confusing rookies, is he's known to take away your best weapon. So I was wondering if you had a take on Davis. That's what I wanted to get from you specifically. Yeah, I, I said I mentioned – yeah, Davis was the, the wide receiver five last week. Um, you, yeah, you want no part of it. Now, I mean, it's a much more difficult matchup, like you said. Uh, Bill Belichick does his very best to take away your your number one option. That is by far 
Corey Davis. They do, they do not have a run game to fall back on. Uh, right. Zach Wilson is going to be seeing pressure all day and um, he's going to be on his back. He's going to throw a lot of interceptions, um, throwing the ball low and over for uh, Elijah Moore for a, a second, a second game bounce back is not going to happen. Uh, Denzel Mims, Braxton Barrios. I mean, none of these guys are, are people that you can really count on. It's no. just, it's going to be super ugly. Yeah, um, it's going to be the kind of game that Zach Wilson was hoping that he was maybe on the bench uh, for <laughs> probably until like week three or four, like the rest of the rookies. Yeah. You I, know what I, I, you know what I get a gold star for? I was wondering if you, I was hoping you were going to bring it up, but you know, I'm a Jets fan. And one of my big calls was if you uh, fantasy wise people, if you need a tight end one, Tyler Croft is going to be a tight end one, I think. I mean, and it doesn't mean it, I guess it doesn't say too much, but he was the, he was the guy when they needed him. They were on the critical plays. That's where Wilson went. They have brought up plays for Croft. He looked athletic. They have a connection. So I think if you got caught and need a tight end, even in this game, he could be a good cash play because there's going to be relief there, right? Salary relief there. So that was the last thing I wanted. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I this could be my favorite cheap stack of the entire weekend. Uh, Mac Jones looked good. He's not getting yeah. enough credit, um, mm-hmm. especially in season long anywhere. He's, he's priced mm-hmm. at 5,400. He looked good. I mean, I, yeah. I wrote something up over a game day uh, in the preseason for all the uh, – for when they were having all the uh, the quarterback um, you know battles in in training camp, I mean, it was obvious all along. Mac Jones was built for this offense. He was the better fit for this offense, and it showed in week one. Uh, the the thing is, you don't know where he's going to go. Which I, I honestly, I may just like hilariously put a lineup together with Mac Jones, Damian Harris, James White. Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Myers. I will put them all in there, ignore the tight ends, and and just fill the rest of my you know and just just spend the rest of my salary on like uh, the the highest end options. Maybe I'll throw you know Alvin Kamara and Joe Mixon in there or something. Um, uh, but it's I mean I can't obviously I can't have that many. Right <laughs> uh, but you know Mac Jones I think here Nelson Aguilar was the guy in Week One, five receptions, seventy two yards, and a touchdown after being completely banged up. He was able to kind of utilize his speed. I think Jacoby Myers will be the alpha, so to speak, um, to go forward. I think pricing-wise, um, they have Myers still ahead, 51 to 48. I think they're both good calls. I think Jacoby Myers is the guy to go after, especially after a quieter week one. I think his ceiling is higher. Um, James White is someone who, obviously, Damian Harris is the guy on the ground. 23 carries, although he did fumble. We know that Bill Belichick can put you in a doghouse and put you in the doghouse for anyone. So where everyone else is running off to grab Ramondre Stevenson, Brandon Bolden's probably going to lead the team and carries. Uh, but again, Damian Harris, I think, <laughs> I think is fine for this one, but James white, seven targets, six catches for 49 yards. I think he is a beautiful setup in this one as well. Um, again, I, I ignore the tight ends before we see what Jonu and Henry are up to together. I don't, I think they cancel each other out. This isn't, this isn't the old days of the, 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 the dual tight ends in new England, uh, right. at least yet. There's just so many mouths to feed there so yeah i i'm good with uh stacking up jones um i think that he's gonna have uh, you know he went 29 of 39 for 281 uh, i think he uh, he definitely bests that in this particular game and uh yeah you can pretty much use anyone in this uh, new england offense because no one's kind of no one's priced um poorly i mean at damian harris even as a, an obvious bell cow is only a 5400 so uh, yeah, you can kind of stack this any way you want and fit in your other high-end option. I, I cannot – to me, you just picked up on possibly the biggest uh, misprice on the board here, and it's it's Damian Harris. I mean, I, 
uh, this is he fits perfectly. I mean, I wonder if why, hey, why do you think why do you throws. think the price? Do you think I, I think mean, it's there's a fumble. A, do you, you, think, you really think that they it's yes. the narrative fumble thing? Yep, yep. People, yeah. The the the, the major reaction was that. He's going to be benched or he won't get it. I think he gets one more. I think he gets another chance. They they tailored this. That offense is kind of tailored to him. I don't know. I mean, they, I mean, I they just, did, they did lose. <laughs> um, so, I mean, he could, uh, Belichick could, could certainly hold that really against him. Yeah, I know. No, it's true. It, it's true. And I, I think I'm going to just buck the, uh, I think I'm going to just buck the, the market on this one. I'm, I'm, it just doesn't worry me just yet. Now, if he, there's another big one, then, then yes. But until then, I don't. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm ready to go there yet. Like that's. Uh, it just seems a little bit overreactionary. He was, you know, he he was the guy. He was yeah. the guy. He had, had twenty three. Exactly. He had twenty three carries. No one else had more than four. And he was good. Yeah, he was a. Fa- he, you know what? It's, I, what, it's I would what they ex- do. I would expect there to be another option worked in this week. Unlike last week, I don't think he'll have the run of the mill like he did last week, but he'll still be the majority shareholder by a lot, not a shareholder, but like a 75, 25. If he does make another slip. Yes. I think he could get shut down in a hurry. So it's a sure. risk you run, but again, uh, at that price, uh, it's a, it's a risk well worth it. Yes, ex- exactly. He fits perfectly into the pace of play scheme that I was talking about. Again, New England will look like Denver, but again, they're a better version of that vanilla. So New England, very similarly, takes over 30 seconds per play, gains more than 40 second, 46 yards per drive, and eats up more than you know four and a half minutes per drive. Can I ask you a question, ask you a yeah. question though? Because Damian Harris, I think we can agree um, – from a season-long perspective and from a, a practical perspective, at his price, he seems like a better bet than the person I'm about to bring up because he's going to have the majority of carries and he's going to have a shot maybe at the end zone. Um, but in DFS, where you're looking to you know really make make a lot of noise, who would you rather have similarly priced him or Javante Williams, who's, who was in a, a legitimate timeshare with someone else who was effective last week, but has the talent to really break open a few runs, something that Damian Harris does not have. Well, I think the easy answer would be GPP is Williams and Cash is Harris, but I think Harris even even represents a GPP play at the price as an RB two. This one to me is just game scripted for him. You know, it's we don't need to ask New England to do anything other than what they already do a ton of, which is they're going to mash the Jets up the middle. It's going to be play action and a ton of Harris. I think, you know, he's he's a solid play. Here we go, Matt. We haven't done any props. How about this? I think he's a solid play for over on carries. The 23 we saw, I think he goes over that. I think he's a, I, I, again, they, he just fits so perfectly. Hold on, I think the, over, the over under is 23 carries? No, 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 I, no, no, no. I, I just over. I'm over. I'm over whatever it is. When I kind of do my analysis, yeah. I – I, I actually didn't look at. It, I probably should, but um, if it's, I was saying, if it was twenty three, I definitely go under. <laughs> well, yeah, they don't use them up. Actually, sometimes Henry, sometimes Henry actually does um, get to that. Yeah, granted, that would be huge, but that's my point. Is it won't be. It's generally like they're generally like I don't know, maybe nineteen or twenty. I actually don't see it on DK, though. but yeah, generally it's be nineteen or twenty. But I think my point is, I'm expecting, I'm expecting low 20 carries again and it could get into the mid 20s because i think they're going to be way up and belichick is not shy about shoving it down your throat when you can't stop him the jets offensive line is not uh the jets offensive line is is not good you know it's not good mosley played out of his shoes a bit in the second half linebacker and he picked up a lot of big tackles but the jets the jets rush to you is not good all right i think that's a ton out of that division game we could definitely move it forward 
Maddie, we got 49ers. We got Eagles, both coming off big wins. Why don't you lead off this one? Enough out of me. <laughs> All right. This is, this is a difficult game because we're not exactly sure what to expect out of either offense, um, to, to be honest. We'll start with San Francisco, who Jimmy Garoppolo, he looked fine. Um, I'm never going to bet on him. I don't even care what the matchup is. I know a lot of people were on him last week versus Detroit. Uh, he even had he even had a freaking who gets who gets a touchdown vultured in fantasy as a quarterback. But Jimmy Garoppolo did as Trey Lance came in to throw his first career pass for a touchdown. Uh, I absolutely yeah. <laughs> you know I want no part of him in this one. Debo Samuel at 6700, you could argue is um, is probably low for the amount of targets he saw with Brandon Ayuk. I think I think that from everything Shanahan said. Uh, Ayuk at minimum is going to be um, slowly brought in uh, to this with with, Sher- with Sherfield ahead of him slightly at 3200, who may be a, sh- a sharp enough play. Or if you believe Ayuk is still not in there, um, Sherfield could be could be a guy to put in there for only 3200. But again, I'm, I'm probably still not going there. I'm going to be off of this offense entirely at Philadelphia, um, even though the the you know traditionally the Eagles secondary isn't known uh, to to be very stout. Um, George Kittle, I think, is you know fine at 6,400. I think that he is probably the safest person to, to bet and in the entire San Francisco offense. The running backs, I can't go there. Elijah Mitchell at 5,000. Trey Sermon at 4,600. I mean, Elijah Mitchell, people are going to have a very, 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 very high ownership percentage of at 5,000 because there's a very easy way. He's just he's the bell cow, and and uh, Shanahan even said that Sherman wasn't out there because he was like not the third or fourth best running backs he had. I mean, that's a quote that I think not enough people are actually talking about. It wasn't that he was a scratch because of health. He just said he didn't look good. But again, he was splitting first team carries with Mostert. So what the hell was happening there? Um, So I could see him, obviously, Mitchell splitting with Sermon, splitting with Hasty. And you don't know where those end zone targets are going to go or carries. It could go anywhere. So San Francisco, I am going to pass. I want to see more out of that completely. Jalen Hurts walks into a more difficult matchup that he did in week yeah. one. Uh, that that I think that rushing floor at 6,500, though, is mm-hmm. something I am still very, very interested in. Um, I think that you can definitely go ahead and pair him up with a very inexpensive 5,400 Devontae Smith, even at, even versus San Francisco. Jalen Rager at 4,100 is okay, but Devontae Smith at 5,400 is so cheap. I think that's kind of a... Um, a contrarian stack that you can put together that, that I like a lot. Um, and as far as the running game, 6,900 for miles, Samuel Samuels, uh, miles Sanders, I'm sorry, is a bit much, uh, with, with Kenneth Gainwell around for 4,000 who I obviously don't want a part of either in this particular one. Cause you know, he, he could find the end zone instead of Sanders. So, uh, I know I just said a lot here, but all in all it's, uh, San Francisco. I think I'm mostly avoiding, uh, even Kittle. I, I think I like other options for more, for different prices. Um, I like Hertz and uh, Devonta as a contrarian stack, which I don't think too many people will be attacking San Francisco in this one. Um, the tight ends uh, on Philly, you know, I think will continue to split with, with uh, you know, Goddard and Ertz. So yeah, overall it's, it's basically Hertz and Smith. And then the rest of it, I, I, I just don't like enough. Um, I just don't, yeah, I just don't like it. Yeah. I don't, I don't blame you. I think it's the same thing. Um, it's tough to, it's tough to what to take away from Philly because Atlanta looks so bad, but how much of that was Philly on D, you know, if you're looking at the stats, Philly past D, it was just amazing. You know, they, they really, really were the defense in general looked pretty good. And again, it's hard to tell they where they were. I don't want to say soft, 
but where Atlanta did have some success was completion to the tight end position. So I think obviously going up against Kittle, that's going to be even more difficult. So I think for 6,400 Kittle represents a player that could be, you know, the top game option. And then he quite literally is at 64, only Sanders and Samuel going above him as far as price at 69 and 67 respectively. So that's something I like to keep an eye on is, it's still a football game that has the same potential. You know, these teams scored a ton last week. So there aren't any $8,000 players, you know, nine $9,500 players to kind of eat up those 30, 35 opportunities that we might generally have in other games. It's got to go somewhere. So I really like Kittle today. And then to the other side, you know, I'm an Eagles addict this year. I just, I don't know how that happened. I ended up being like the industry high man on Jalen Hurts and, and Waddle. And then also I think, Man, if you think, let me put it this way, I'm not really going there, Matt, because I'm not I'm not a mass entry DFS player. But let's say I even got to 15 lineups or 20 lineups. Mm-hmm. I think there's an eagle stack for sure. And I'd be getting Rieger with yeah. uh, Smith and Hertz in there. Rieger is really forgotten. He's a guy I was touting at the end of draft season that I again a lot of times it's not even as complex, that complex. It's I, I like the Eagles. I think the quarterback is being undersung. And I think this guy represents a, a starting wide out. And that's exactly what we got. You know, the target share was there. The snap percentage was there. Uh, and you got looked to in the end zone. So I think Rieger represents a nice piece for a GPP. Again, I'm not really planting my fag for Jalen Rieger this, this week. If I'm a single entry guy, which I more am, Kittle is a single entry player for me, for sure. I was talking about money do- money line dog wins. I think Philadelphia has a chance to win this one outright at plus 135. I, I think the market agrees because that line's a little bit closer than I think people would have thought a 49er team coming off a game where they scored a million and a half points. My worry was, yeah, we thought the defense was going to be a little bit better. Last thing from us, Matt, is the San Francisco D, right, coming in, projecting pretty well gosh Detroit was operating at will at the end I mean and it wasn't just a drive it was that that collapse was happening for like a quarter and a half it was pretty scary if you're a San Francisco fan you don't want to see whatever gosh whatever godforsaken score that was 38 17 at one point 38 14 whatever it was talk to me about the San Francisco defense do you think they bounce back they might shut down the Eagles or another team hangs this kind of performance against them and you might see might see a little bit of panic you know 33 points from the lions let's say another 31 goes up on the board from the eagles is it possible we swung and missed on san fran defense well one thing that people ignored is in an attempt to get better they actually traded away um assets from their defense <laughs> um you know they it's, it's in order to get better on offense and for some reason again this is something that a lot of people have been completely ignoring so i i think that Overall, they're going to bounce back to now what we saw last week. Again, it was garbage time. And for anyone who watches the NFL, I always say this, why some bad teams, why don't they just, I mean, this obviously you have to have incredible, um, you just have to be in incredible shape, cardiovascular shape. But the two-minute offense is hard to stop. For anyone. I mean, it was, it's just when you're out there and you're running constant plays and the defense has no time to reset and you know what you're doing now and the defense is on its toes, uh, it's it's easy to get the ball moving. And, you know, so it never really shocks me that when anyone gets torched by a two minute offense, it's, it's almost like I always expect teams or running, uh, running no huddle to, to do some damage almost. So I'm not going to hold that completely against them, uh, even though it was the Lions. 
And Swift is awesome, by the way. Holy mackerel. Yes. You watch him play. He's phenomenal. Yes. So uh, I'll give him a pass there. So I expect him to bounce back. I don't think they're anywhere near as as good as people thought. I'm giving him the respect this week of not going kind of all in on the Eagles. But I think, yeah, like I said, the, the, the pro... If anything, the uh, the the respect is being given by DraftKings in terms of pricing, uh, and I, I I know backtracking. It's the same guys I liked. I, I think that Hertz is is a decent GPP option with uh, with Rieger or with Smith. Uh, if they want to key in on Smith, Rieger could you know possibly come away here. The, the targets weren't that far off, and you know in, in a standalone you know in, in a as far as if you're not going to stack, I should say not a stand not a single entry, but if you have multiple. Op, multiple teams and you're um, you don't want to stack the Eagles. I think Rieger as just a standalone option in this game is, is a fantastic. Nice. All right, let's move it up. Right. I think we got two of the bigger surprises from week one. One I mentioned that I hit on, which was the Steelers. They'll be hosting probably the biggest surprise, which was the Raiders beating the Ravens. I'm not sure that game spoke as much to the Raiders quality as it did the Ravens injuries and then just inability to close and this one, again, I spoke about the Steelers and how much I really like that defense. I don't really buy anything I saw from the Vegas offense. You know, 435-2 and two from Carr, I, I don't think that's reality. I mean, I, I think Waller is a legit wide receiver one as a tight end. But I think trying to run that style of offense against this Steeler defense is not going to work. I also think the Steelers will bounce back a touch on offense because the Buffalo defense is not bad. They're good as well. Vegas has this one. Pittsburgh favored by six and a half. I think they're going to cover this one up easily. I think this is like the reality check for the Raiders. And then I think validation for the Steelers, something you and I spoke about coming into the season, Matt, all the skill pieces that everyone loves so much, but the quarterback that no one really liked, I think we're going to see more from the passing game on Sunday. This was the last 1 p.m. game. What do you think, man? You think that six and a half, the six and a half kind of felt misplaced. This one felt like if you would have told me before opening kickoff of week one, Steelers Raiders week two, I would have thought it's plus eight and a half or nine. What do you um, well, one thing, Derek Carr surprisingly had like one of the highest a dots of the entire week, uh, like over 10 for a career where that's kind of held him back. A lot of people thought that's what held Amari Cooper back, <laughs> you know, in, in players like when Antonio Brown almost came to town, um, you know, the, the, uh, that that was going to hold players back because he, he likes to go, um, you know, he, he, he just likes to keep it a little in the short field. So that was encouraging. Uh, but then again, that the Steelers completely shut down the bills, who are supposed to be a pretty high-octane offense. I think you avoid all Raiders, like the plague, including Darren Waller, who's at 7,600. Um, for DFS purpose, you're going to start him every week in season long. Duh. Yes. But 7,600, we've already discussed Noah Fan. We've already discussed George Kittle. There yeah. are there are great options, far cheaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, no reason to go with Darren Waller. They're just not. And there's no reason to go with anyone on this offense. Uh, Josh Jacobs looks like a joke at 6,000. Uh, Kenyon Drake. At 4,900, I am not trying to sell you on him. I'm just bringing him up because if it's interesting to me, I think Josh Jacobs was always the fade. I think Kenyon Drake got five targets, which was fit fourth most on the team, which I think will come down now that Darren Waller will have probably be triple team the rest of the season. Yeah, um, no kidding. But, I, you know, Kenyon Drake had had 60% of the carries. <laughs> Uh, or no, no, when he had six, uh, six of 16 carries for the game for them. Um, and he also had the, the five targets. So I think in a game where they're maybe destined to be down, 
4900 is not a Brock bottom price, but if you wanted to go super contrarian, um, if Darren Waller is going to be triple teamed, especially in the red zone, I could see Kenyon Drake getting in the end zone possibly for this team. I mean, you know, there's, there's guys like Brian Edwards, Henry Ruggs, Hunter Renfro, um, especially over, you know, if they're going to keep it short that are, that are fine options, but uh, all in all, they're not going to be, uh, I don't think you're going to have overall good games, at least that you can count on. Drake will get some work on the ground. He'll definitely get some work through the air. So he's a guy I do like to buy low on season long, as I don't think Josh Jacobs is really good. And I think Drake will continue to sap more and more of that job. Um, he's just a person where if you are in a million, you know, the Millie maker or something where you got to do something weird. Um, Kenyon Drake at 4,900 is something I don't think is too crazy because all it, all it'll take is him finding the end zone to really cash in there. I wish his price was a little lower, but out of anyone, again, if they're going to try to take away Waller and you're looking for overall touches, I think, I think Kenyon Drake is interesting. Uh, but main advice is no to the, to the Raiders. Um, as far as you're asking about the line of the game, I think it has to do with Ben Roethlisberger looking so shitty. Yeah. Uh, 56 home though. This is the big Pittsburgh narrative. It's always been. But 50, I mean, he's at home. He's home. Which, that's, again, that's all I need again, to know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, road, road Ben, 56% completion rate though. 5.8 yards per attempt. Jesus, that's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yeah. The, the, the only guy I think you completely fade here is Chase Claypool at 5,600. Um, he's a home run hitter. So you can throw him in GPPs and hope for that. But Deontay Johnson is, is going to lead this team in targets and it's probably going to be consistently that way, but he has a massive ceiling as well at 6,400. I think he's a guy you can always use Juju Smith Schuster. Um, I don't know if he's going to ever have the ceiling. We once thought, but his, his target share is, is fantastic. <laughs> I mean, even in this, in the, in the, uh, in the last game, he, he didn't stand out as much as Deontay who left um, injured, but you know, he got all the targets that you would hope for um, if you were drafting him. So I think that, um, was it? He had eight targets to Deontay's five, and then Chase had or uh, no, 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 Deontay, Deontay had 10. 10 right. Juju Chase eight, five, yeah. Chase five. So, yeah, yeah right. I think that uh, Juju is a fine play, maybe even for, for cash at 5,700. But with Deontay only at 6,400, I think those are the two guys to go. No stack necessarily. Um, the, the best price, I think, in the entire game is probably Najee Harris, uh, who is. Is due for probably a massive bounce back against you know um, the Buffalo Bills are a very difficult team. You mentioned mm-hmm. earlier in the show he was on the field for one hundred percent of the plays. Um, it, the the thing that held him back is that's a lot thing- of those, right? That's a lot of plays. Most of the plays is that <laughs> yeah, all, all the plays. A lot of them. See the the thing that uh, that held him back is the thing that everyone thought would hold him back. And that was a very shitty offensive line. He only had 45 rushing yards and 35 of them came after contact. Yeah. Uh, so it's, that's going to be a problem, but if he's going to be used on the ground and through the air this much, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna get some goodness out of him. Uh, the Raiders are not the bills. So at 6,300 for that kind of usage, I, I think you absolutely have to have him in there uh, for at least a couple of your lineups. Um, if you're doing a, if you're doing a single entry, I think he's also, so still a fine option. You you put him together, you know, depending on where you want to spend. I like to spend on wide receivers, but Joe Mixon at like 7,000, I think we said. Najee Harris is 63. I think there's a couple of a decent yeah. running backs if you're not going high end. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. I was waiting for you to get to Harris. I do think we see the bounce back. The Buffalo front seven is very tough. Very, very tough against the run. 
So that was kind of expected. I was wondering, again, if you saw this game, Matt, Harris took red zone snaps from the slot and even got a target and a catch inside the five. He got tackled. But that's another one that you would have to really be watching because you don't see that. That that kind of specificity doesn't really pop up in the box scores. But I could not believe that a rookie running back who was just on the field for 100% of the snaps – they got down inside the 10 and they split them out. And I couldn't believe I couldn't believe it. So man, it's all systems go for Harris V. Again, I don't think the price reflects the opportunity or the potential because of the game script. I think people are falling a little bit in love with last week and the Raiders. I'd be shocked if they really do anything remotely close to what they did uh last week. So yeah, I, th- I think you re- I think you really nailed this one. There's just not a ton here for me. I'm fine, kind of even leaving the Pittsburgh pass game alone. It really could go um, anyway. One thing that I did want to get to because you mentioned cheap players trying to pay off, and then you mentioned working Harris Matt into a smaller portfolio. And I think there's two really, really, really good points for people getting into DFS that want to make money. One, working a player into a portfolio is is great. Um, Even if you only play three lineups, here's a good piece of advice. If you play three lineups, people, find three running backs and use three unique combinations, A plus B, B plus C, A plus C, whatever the players are. The other one to having cheap players pay off, this is from a professional that gave me this advice, is he told me about the four times rule. And what that is briefly, Matt, is you have – $50,000 $50,000 of salary on DraftKings. You always want to shoot for a 200, right? 200, 200 is going to win you a smaller tournament and it's going to help you compete for the big one, you know, just shooting for that. So 50,000 for 200 points is roughly a, a four times multiplier on your salary. You know, so I'm looking at Josh Jacobs, for example, 6,000 multiply by four, right? The front and the cost, you need 24 points from him to pace 200. So if you do that across your lineup, I always like to think in those terms, somebody you mentioned like Drake 4.9, he has to get to 20. Totally, you know, it's totally possible. And then, you know, I mentioned um, Emmanuel Sanders before he had 4,000. That's a guy like in GPP only needing Sanders to get to 16. Really something that's possible. You could get there almost in a play. You almost did it in that single play. So I want to move on from there, but I wanted to just leave a little bit of feather. Did we leave anything out in this one for you? Just a reminder for everyone who doesn't believe in Najee Harris. As I had someone in the wonderful world of Twitter uh, <laughs> tell, tell me um, that uh, in, uh, when I just said he's uh, Najee Harris was a buy low, um, he said Najee Harris isn't a bell cow. No other running back got a snap. <laughs> no other running back had a carry in this game. Ben Roethlisberger and Chase Claypool were the only other people that registered a carry. I mean, you talk about people being bell cows like Christian McCaffrey and, and Ezekiel Elliott that like still have other realistic options as running backs behind them. No one else got a carry. So again, you can believe or not believe in the, uh, you know, the, the, the talents of Najee Harris, but don't doubt the role. I mean, this is the most clear cut role in the NFL. Uh, that, that really triggered me. All right, let's, let's go. <laughs> Man, we're heading to the desert. The Vikings are heading along with us to meet the Arizona Cardinals. I, I didn't have to, 
Eric kind of already teased that one earlier on. I put a Super Bowl bet down on the Cardinals. I advise everyone to do that because after they wipe the floor with the Vikings this weekend, that price is probably going to get cut in half. Again, not to put too much into game film, but talk about wow. I just had the word wow written all over my uh, game log for the Arizona game last week. That defense was amazing. Didn't know exactly what we were going to get from J.J. Watt. Some people were talking about he might have been washed. They went to Tennessee. Has a very strong offensive line, and they absolutely bullied them. Oh, my goodness. It was a one-two punch from the defensive line that I could not remember. They are just first across the board in everything. Yards per drive, time of possession per drive. At two minutes, they only allowed a 63% drive success rate, minus 50% rush DVOA, minus 39% pass DVOA again one week, but it's hard to lead the league ever. Matt, J.J. Watt, what we expected when healthy was in the right place for every single running play and then Chandler Jones looked like Lawrence Taylor Reggie White out there oh my goodness shoving and again what I mentioned before my notes from week one when men played sin the Cincinnati defensive line which is just I mean it's okay we weren't sure what we're going to get with some new additions they shoved I am fearful for the Minnesota offensive line this week that didn't play well at all three yards adjusted that is awful three yards per running back attempt which is awful only 67 yards on 22 attempts for a minus 45 percent rush dvoa this is another one this is a um I, what i thought might have been closer to even arizona I was tweeting out games that I thought wouldn't get CLV people. That's closing line value, meaning you getting into a bet and then having it move in your favor. Arizona has now moved to minus four. I'm not even sure this one's close enough. Matt, are you buying what Arizona is selling on the from the line play? I didn't go over Kyler Murray. He's obviously amazing. We didn't go over Hopkins, who I was just could not believe was getting the disrespect he was getting, falling into the second round, something we're on record talking about. He should have been going eighth or ninth or tenth overall. Um, Hopkins I'm talking about. So I know we know the Cardinal offense is amazing. Do you buying the defensive line? And if so, are you buying that this is truly like a championship or conference championship type team? I believe they had a really good game. <laughs> I I am I am going to be skeptically watching the rest of the season. That being said, it's been one game. Um, I'm not discounting anything you said. I'm um, just going another direction here. Yeah. Uh, the, the Vikings are talented. <laughs> um, I, I'm not saying that uh, I think that maybe Dalvin Cook could have a little more difficult of a time in this one, which I think at 9,100 makes him a pretty easy fade given other, mm-hmm. um, given other options on the slate. But I do think there is still, I think that that will lean the Vikings attack more towards the pass, which I think between Adam Thielen, uh, between Justin Jefferson, between KJ Osborne, we'll be able to get something done. And Jefferson at 7,400 and 7,100 for Adam Thielen, especially with everyone on Thielen after that amazing game one. I kind of like Cousins and Jefferson. Cousins at 6,200 
and uh, Jefferson at 7,400 as a cheapo stack in GPP, who I could easily see having a, hey, remember me? I'm Justin fucking Jefferson for week <laughs> two. So I I, uh, I think Cook, I'll be staying away from, but I think I, I'm not going to be given Arizona um, the res- maybe the respect they deserve um, after week one. I think that I, I will have a little bit of Cousins stacked up, um, but it's nothing I'll be like ultra excited about, but I could easily see it. Uh, you know, cream rises to the top sometimes. What about, so what about the other, which is fine. Again, your style is always, it's very reasoned and rational. So it's like, there's not much to disagree with because you're being very fair. What about the other side? So do you think Arizona scores against Minnesota? Again, coming into the season, you know, you're thinking Minnesota and defense, man, uh, you know, Burrow is not really Murray. And it's not just about a, apples to apples thing, which is what makes Murray so difficult to defend. Do you think Arizona is going to score? And if you do, then I think you're into this 50.5 Vegas as long as an over, which is then going to lead me into DFS. So just, is this the double game stack everyone wants to be looking for? No, it's not for me because I believe in the game score. I do. I don't know where the hell it's going to come from though. Uh, And let me just explain why I think Kyler could easily, easily be the QB one. Again, I think Hopkins is always a great option and 8,000. He's not being totally given the respect, but I think there's a reason for that Um, because he had 60, he had six catches for 83 yards and two touchdowns led the team in targets, except he's not getting like that 30% target share. We're like used to, I mean, he had eight, he had eight targets. AJ green had six Kirk and Rondell Moore had five chase Edmonds had four. Uh, I think that Hopkins is never a bad option. That's for sure. I mean, in season long, he's obviously a beast, but I don't know who's going to lead the team in targets like right behind him, Kirk and more. I mean, I would bet on more at 4,000, which is 1,000 less than Kirk at 5,000. He would be my pick if you wanted to stack up Murray, but AJ green at 3,700 was second in targets. Anyone could find the end zone in this one, which would completely change the value. So I just think there's too many cooks in the kitchen here. And Hopkins, I think, is fine to always put in your lineup as uh, as maybe a guy people could overlook because of the reason I'm saying Kyler and Nuke together could do magical things. Uh, but if you're looking to invest outside of that, yeah, Kirk, Moore, AJ Green, um, even even uh, even Edmonds and James Conner, who are 49 and 4400. James Conner getting. I think so 16 carries to 12 for Edmonds. Edmonds is the only one who got some targets in the passing. But uh, yeah, I I believe this will be a very high scoring game. Uh, I have no idea where the points could be coming from, from the Cardinals who like to, you know, spread things out. I, I just want to see Kyler with the rest of this group for another game for three games, maybe before I'm like totally putting my money down. My favorite bet, I think, like I said, is Rondale Moore just because he was right there with Kirk. Kirk is the one who got all the shine because he found the end zone twice. Um, but again, he had the same amount of targets as uh, Moore, who went four for 68, Kirk five for 70. So I don't believe he deserves like maybe ton of respect for those touchdowns, especially one, which was a great pass. But, you know, it's it's it kind of, I think, a little bit of an anomaly. So love the Cardinals. Don't really want a huge piece of it because I think people will be really in this game and, and the points can come from anywhere. You're talking right now. Oh, sorry. So I think in games like that, because I, I do agree, particularly with the back end of the Cardinal wide receiving room, week to week, it's going to be impossible to figure out where it comes from, which also kind of opens it up to a GPP style play. If you stack them all, you know, you could hit the jackpot because the potential is there. The big surprise to me in the big offseason L was AJ Green, who I thought was dust, got an absolute full complement of work, 80% 
of the team snaps. He got targets. And again, from watching the game, not to keep bringing this up, but man, there's, there's a lot of context that's missed from people doing box score analysis alone. Green got looked to first in the end zone and they just didn't connect on it. Next time they're going to, it was, a, it, it, it looked like classic AJ Green. He looked fine. Which and by the Murray's way, that's fine. for anyone who listened to me, it was like, oh, well, I'll just stack them up. Kind of like we were saying, that's the only worry that you're not going to stack up three wide receivers with Kyler. If you choose two, you could just very easily choose the wrong two. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's very difficult. It is very difficult. And and it's what kind of keeps me from chasing that. And again, people, if you want to know why a lot of volume players are the ones to succeed, because they will lower their entry fee, meaning instead of going after this style of attack in a $20 milli or a $100 milli, you drop down to the $3 100K grand prize. And then you could run out, right, Matt, instead of one $20 entry that you have to put all your eggs into one cardinal basket, you could literally take that same 20, put it into six and a half or seven. Oh, entries. yes. If you could afford to do some combos, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to run as many um, as many lineups as the, the average high volume person. But I mean, I... Uh, I, I'm probably I already made a lineup that's that's uh that's Kyler, Rondale, and AJ. <laughs> and right, I'm, totally I'm actually skipping over Kirk and Nuke. Yeah, that's fine. And, and that's totally weird. And guess what? That's exactly how you win. That's exactly how you win at hey, hey, And all uh, by the way, um, all that needs to happen for that to be a monster for me is uh last week, everybody, Nuke found the end zone twice, Kirk found the end zone twice. Again, six catches for 83 yards for Hopkins, five for 70 for Kirk. Rondale four for 68 green only two for 25, but he had six targets. All the targets are close enough. All those happens is those, those end zone uh, looks go to more and green and then boom. It's, I mean, you literally have a monster on your hand. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's easy to paint that way. And I think people paint themselves into the corner of it has to be Hopkins. No, it doesn't have to be Hopkins at, at all because he could get, catch bracket coverage and the play that gets broken and extended something that Murray does. So will go somewhere else. So people, yeah, keep your, keep your imaginations open. I think that one is pretty well sealed. Yeah. I like the points for Arizona more than I like the minus two ten. I generally draw my line for to the most lopsided game. We go. Hold on. This is, this, is this lopsided? Is it lopsided? I think it's pretty lopsided. I've got Atlanta and Tampa Bay. 12 and a half points. I gosh, man. If you what do you have to what do you have the final score as, John? I don't know. I wanted to ask you this first. This one I'm having a totally tough time with. It's a 12 and a half point spread with a 51 and a half point total, which means either Vegas expects Tampa to score 40 or Atlanta to score 21. <laughs> you know yeah, I, mean? I, I feel like I feel like everyone's gonna be disappointed. Who starts the Tampa Bay um, defense this week? Even though I feel like they could easily just dominate this game in all facets, I feel like Tom Matt Ryan and company are putting up some points and are going to hang in this one. And, but I mean, Tampa could put up seventy for all we know. I mean, the Falcons were garbage, but I think Atlanta's defense, even against a stout Tampa Bay um, offense, or uh, against or Atlanta or the Atlanta offense versus stout Tampa Bay defense, is going to is going to pick up some pieces this week. Well, the worry here is if you have only seen two football games in your life and it was week one Tampa and week one Atlanta, you'd think the score of this one is going to be like a college, you do like 48 to seven, one of those 68 yeah. to three. It, it, it just looks awful. Oh, so bad. It looks awful, awful, awful on paper. I went back and watched Atlanta twice and one of the, the second time, it was just the snaps on just the Atlanta side. 
Wow, I, 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 I didn't think the bottom was that low for Atlanta, and we saw it. They had 20 yards per drive. That was last, and they were trying to hurry. 26 seconds per play is not slow. They, The thing they did best was run with Mike Davis, which I thought was going to be the worst part of their game. The passing stats are worst in the league. Three yards per attempt, six and a half Per completion for 136 total. They had a, oh gosh, allowed 13% adjusted sack rate, minus 41% pass DVOA. Everything that they did poorly, Tampa does really well. Tampa did not defend the pass well last week. I'm wondering, Matt, when I kick it to you, if that's something you're going to punish them for. Uh, right now, I'm not. Not only was it game one, it was a supercharged Dallas offense that was behind, which is the makings of getting yourself into trouble with passing stats. So I think Tampa is going to be fine. I'm not so sure about Atlanta. They did not block at all. Uh, a lot of people were disappointed in Pitts, myself included, with the production, just for garbage time, right? I just thought there'd be more of it at the end of the game. It didn't happen, although his usage was there. So I wonder, I want you to speak about the Tampa Bay pass defense, Kyle Pitts also in particular before you take it away, which I'd like you to. I just don't. Let's just take a quick peek at the, the betting board. Like I said, 12 and a half. I am not one to, to take points when they're that much. There's a reason why people don't let bad low fruit analysis, um, analysis trick you into that. 12 and a half, just too many points. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because 28-10 is easy for this to happen. 31 13 is very easy for this to happen, and those are not even close to 12. Tampa Bay's minus 800, though they're going to win. I would never lay that. Matt, so to those particular points and then your overall view. Um, I, I was kind of joking a bit in the opening. I think Atlanta gets their ass kicked hard in this one. Uh, there's no way you can start Matt oh, I Ryan. I knew it. You tricked me. Okay. Matt <laughs> Ryan is, is never. It shouldn't be an option at all. Neither can Calvin Ridley, to be honest. In season long, you're not sitting him. Uh, 7,500. That's not low enough for me. I think Tampa Bay will be shutting down Calvin Ridley once again. Kyle Pitts, though, cannot be guarded. He cannot be guarded. Um, even though I expect a shit game out of Matt Ryan at only 5,200 for Kyle Pitts, which is only 500 more for Rob Gronkowski. Uh, he's an absolute person that I'll be throwing into GPP. It's definitely not safe for cash because again, it's a very dangerous matchup versus Tampa Bay, but they have no one to guard him. No one does. That being said, uh, you're not afraid of Russell Gage. If you can handle Russ, um, Kyle uh, Calvin Ridley on the outside, you they could double triple team pits again. He's so tall, he's so fast, it's very difficult to do because you probably have to, um, you know, probably have to double team Calvin Ridley as well. So, in the end, I think Kyle Pitts bounces back in a big way. He got all the targets in week one, 5,200. Lock him in. Um, you know, Atlanta will be down, Mike Davis will not be a factor. They're gonna have to throw, and with not a lot of time to throw, I would think Kyle Pitts will be the desired option. For Matt Ryan, I think he just gets peppered and peppered with targets. I expect a few couple of targets thrown to Pitts to get intercepted, but I think for them to <laughs> for them to continue to pound it the entire time. So uh, I think Kyle Pitts standalone is the guy to definitely smash at fifty two hundred um, in DFS. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Tom Brady is a for sure start in this one, which should be a bloodbath. Yeah. The only problem here is that, like you know, I, I mentioned earlier in the the day. You just don't know where the targets are going to be week to week. I expect them to fluctuate heavily. It wouldn't shock me if Brown was a bust this week and Mike Evans was a was a was a big time um, explosion. 
I think the the smart play is to just team up Brady with with um with Godwin at sixty six hundred, which seems brutally cheap. Um, I know that there's mouths to feed here, but at sixty six hundred for Godwin, Mike Evans at sixty one hundred, Brown at six thousand, and uh, Gronk at forty seven hundred. I'm half will. I'm I'm half thinking about putting in like an entire team together of nothing but bucks kind of like last year where people did it with the chiefs and it worked out um i think you throw it again the only thing that the only thing that screws this up is you cannot throw a running back in there to absorb touchdowns because it's cheap Fournette's 51 ronald jones is 48 uh bernard's 42 but he's third down uh, if you wanted to put in a running back cheap just to, if you wanted to go that direction because i'm not even joking that is a completely legitimate thing you can try you want to try to have a cheap running back in there to absorb touchdowns, and you can't because you don't right. know what it'll be. My guess would be Fournette, um, even yeah. though Barry Arian says that Ronald Jones is going there at 48. So that kind of wrecks the super stack, as you will. Uh, yeah. But yeah, basically here, if you can afford it, you know, just do multiple things, try to pick your poison, get a little piece of everything. Uh, Mike Evans seems like a steal at 6,100 for a bounce back, but with Antonio Brown at 100 less and Godwin and only 500 more. I'd, I'd I'd rather go with Godwin. Yeah, I, I, this one is really tough, and I think if NFL lines got to eighteen and twenty, this would be one of the ones that did the, the God. I mean, the, the the front the front seven play just seems, at least on paper and from what we've seen in a little bit of tape, just seems so disparate. There isn't a bigger mismatch going into this week. Yeah, I think Brady is the play. He's going to tear him up. I'm with you on on the targets being unreliable. This next game is should really be something. Yeah, I've got all the excitement for this one because the Cowboys coming off that crazy game with Tampa is going to L.A. to meet the Chargers after last week. That was a good one. They just beat a tough Washington team. Washington looks like it's going to be that. They're going to be playing that role all year, keeping it close and losing at the end. Yesterday, they kind of just edged out the Giants. But this week, it's two, I mean, two of my favorite offenses coming in, and I'm not alone, right? Just going by draft capital, the Cowboys might be one of, if not the most expensive offense. Chargers not too far behind. The one piece that was maybe falling, I'm doing air quotes, was Herbert, right? And he looked awesome. People have their doubts about the second year. I, I don't really care for those narratives. I watched enough of him that I thought he looked great. He went out for 337 and a score with only one pick. This one should be really high-powered. The over-under gods agree. Highest total, well, tied with the last 425 game and then a 20 game, but 54 and a half is an extremely high total. Dallas is an underdog by three and a half points. Matt, I think they can win this one outright or at least keep it within that. I love that they're getting that extra half, right? People getting that bit of the hook where you could take Dallas, they could lose by a field goal and still cash that bet. So that's where I am betting, but I do think at plus 160, Dallas could upset them. They looked pretty good. Matt, the obvious question, Zeke. And then, yeah, what do you, how do you think this one shakes out? The Charger defense was really, we were getting sold on them being great. The Washington offense is kind of mad. They had a backup quarterback come in. And the Chargers defense did not do what we thought they would. Now, maybe Washington showed they're a bit better than we thought, which is also fine. But I don't know. They didn't get to the QB like we thought they would. They didn't uh, plug up running holes like we thought they did, like they would. Washington was gaining in chunks. I'm a bit worried maybe about the Chargers defense in the middle. And we saw the Dallas offense can be explosive. Is this the double stack game we need? Um. 
yeah, I like it definitely more than um, than the other ones we've talked about, mainly because of the pricing. Uh, it's it's funny. It's like I'm looking at Prescott at 68, Herbert at 67, and then wide receivers after Allen at 7,000. Amari, all everyone else sub seven at 68 for Amari, 64 for CD, and Mike Williams only at 61. So yeah, this is definitely the game to stack. Austin Eckler at 7,300 is a little weird. Um, I mean, last week he was not exactly what we expected. He led the entire league in red zone carries, which was not his thing. And he had zero targets, which obviously is his thing. Uh, so I would think the confusion may lead people off of him. I, I really like the idea of stacking Herbert Eckler because, you know, I, I love the pass catching back stacks. Right. And um, Mike Williams, for sure, at 6,100 is, is, is fantastic. His price, Keelan Allen at 7,000. Um, is, is something you obviously want to have a piece of too. I'm not sure where ownership goes here. Cause I think, you know, everyone will be hip to Mike Williams at 6,100. I expect him to be one of the more heavily rostered players. Super chalk. Super yeah. Chalk. On the, on the entire slate. So maybe, you know, go with Keenan Allen and, uh, and, and get yourself a little extra there. I expect there to be a lot of double stacks of just Herbert Allen and Williams for, for good reason though. So I think you, you, you probably want a piece of this. If you're doing multiple lineups on the other side, um, I think Dak and I think Dak and CD make for a nice one. Um, you know, they had the same amount of Amari and CD had the same amount of um, pretty much the same amount of targets one apart in week one. I think Amari coming off that monster week will probably have a lot of eyes on him. Uh, not that uh, CD is going to have low ownership by any means, but I think that um, he easily um, the, 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 the script could have easily been flipped between the two of them. You, you still want a piece of one or both with Michael Gallup out, it's only going to get better. So yeah, you could, tr- you can literally take a piece of all of this. You can Dak da- with both wide receivers. You can take Herbert with both wide receivers. Um, I said, I like Eckler to be thrown in as a fourth player as well. There's, there's really nothing for me to add that is like, I don't know, like really, <laughs> that's really crazy. I mean, yeah, a lot of, like I, I mentioned about the, you know, everyone going full stack on Tampa or, or full stack on the chiefs last year. I think you can go full stack on the chargers in this one. Cause we saw how they got completely messed up on Thursday. And I think Tampa has, uh, I think that uh, San Diego can do it just as well as Tampa, except San Diego also has a running back. So I mean, if you want to go crazy, I'd have no problem going like Herbert Eckler, Allen, uh, cook Williams or leave out one of them and try to work, work and cook at the tight end position, which I know you like at 3,900 is I think is completely fine too. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's nothing. This is a, it's a chalky matchup for a reason. Uh, they're all really good players for a reason. Yeah. They're priced a little low. <laughs> so uh, usually I would say you, you couldn't afford to go with these monster stacks. Um, but if you're playing multiple entry, they're, they're, it's, it's amazing how low they are. And uh, especially on the Dallas side at 68 and 64 with, with no Michael Gallup, who's for some reason is still priced at 4,900. Like he's going to rip off his cast or something. Yeah, you, you, you nailed it. It's, uh, it's going to be hard to find it. So what this one, this one does have the super stack potential on it. And with some of the cheaper running backs we mentioned and a cheap tight end, a few of those, again, we mentioned, I love to give advice that that can be incorporated together, right? There's nothing worse than play the best player in every position that you can't afford and possibly have together. That's not what I like to do. You nailed it. Number one, Herbert has a nice discount at QB same for Prescott. So you can actually run two separate 
Charger Cowboy stacks again. I rather than run one and try and have to, you know, like gun to my head 20 bucks in the milli, figure out who's gonna win. I'd rather take that 20, split it into six three dollar entries, play for the hundred K, and you could run, you know, instead of six, you can run three different stacks from this game, one with Herb or four, two with Herbert, two with Prescott, and then kind of mix them up because you can get all of these players all together. You know, Herbert with Williams and Allen plus Cooper and Lamb going back, and then you know you just have to mix in some of the cheaper guys we said you mentioned I mean, you, you didn't even get cook in there I, he got eight targets i was so happy about that call he's on so many best ball teams and remember that continuity has just begun so i think he's going to be really good matt i you didn't get you know, i didn't push you in the corner about the betting before we get off of this one dallas and chargers what do you think about the betting line i know it's not necessarily your thing but what were you picking up what i was putting down with the three and a half that this one maybe feels close enough that if dallas loses you think they can keep it within three um, yeah, because I think, I mean, there's going to be a, ba- there's going to be a major bounce back for Ezekiel Elliott, who, you know, for some reason I felt not even compelled to talk about 88300 basically because I think Too that's much the, me. Yeah. It's a Tony Pollard exists. Um, and, you know, he's, he's going to have a role. And I, I think that, you know, it, I, it would have shocked me to see Zeke find the end zone four times. Absolutely not. So, uh, if you're doing if, tons of lineups, I, I think you, you probably got to try to work him in there somewhere, but he, he's definitely not one of my, one of my favorite values, but. I think I think the Chargers defense does wake up a little bit. I, I don't think it matters as much because I think the Cowboys can score on anyone. So yeah, I, I think it could easily be. A, it wouldn't be a game I'd want to bet on because I could see this just being a monster defense doesn't matter game. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I think that I think Dallas can win it outright. Yeah, the major question is the immovable force and the unstoppable object, right? Where. The Chargers defense is generally predicated on shutting down wide receivers. Dallas's offense is predicated on highlighting wide receivers. Something's got to give. I mean, yeah, I, 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 this is a tough one. This is my, tough my, one. my favorite. My favorite stack, though, uh, for anyone who just wants to do single entry, Herbert Eckler, Mike Williams. That's my favorite. See, I like. I like how. I just like that. That's different, and it's not. It's not the most intuitive is the wrong word. It's not the simplest. It's not the lowest fruit. Well, what it does is it's, it's a it's a low cost Herbert, which people will be on, but people will be on Kyler, people will be on Dak. Um, it won't be an overwhelming ownership. Eckler, people will be off because of the confusion um, with the no targets. But right. again, get, if you are going to give me a pass catching back, which I think you'll get, and they gave him all the red zone carries, that covers me for the end zone. Maybe I don't have to worry about Roundtree as much. I'm cursing myself right now for even saying that out loud, but um, yeah. you get a pass catching back who's getting goal line carries, and you're getting Williams, a guy who had his, almost as many targets but found the end zone um, instead of Keenan, you're getting the discount. So it's just like discount and quality. You don't get that in a game with the scoring line this high. You can't get the prices on three guys I just talked about often. It's it's actually a unicorn uh, tr- uh, trio. Yeah, this one's really tough. I, I think I am going to back away from betting on this one, but I will absolutely make sure that I'm exposed to it for DFS. I don't just chase over-unders. A lot of times I'm, you know, I'm, I play the contrarian. This one, you have to at least recognize the upside. All right, Maddie, we're on a five-yard line. Let's punch this one in. We got one last afternoon game to go. All right, Titans at Seahawks, Matt, to wrap up the main slate for DraftKings. I think we should stick around and do Sunday night, and then we'll, before we get out of here. But let's do that last one. It's Tennessee Titans. It's Seattle Seahawks. I, for one, am actually really excited about this one. I love when there's kind of these 
really intriguing matchups at four o'clock. I am not impervious to red zone. I love it. My kids get involved. It's really the most exciting seven hours of the week for me. So it can be hard to watch entire games at 425. I might be watching or at least flipping back between this one and Dallas, you know, it really should be compelling. Tennessee got squashed a bit, right? But I think I pointed out why Early on, they got beat up by the front seven. They just didn't have an answer for Chandler Jones. And we've just seen this historically in the NFL, Matt. Ask me the one thing that can just throw off all your game plans and all your analysis, and it's getting punched in the nose by a defensive line. We saw the Giants do it to the undefeated Patriots. There's just That's the thing. If you win that dominantly at the point of attack, right at the ball, consistently, you're going to find yourself in the win column or at least keeping it really close. The market is Seattle giving Tennessee six and a half points. This one just doesn't feel that close. It it really feels very much based on last week. Again, Arizona defense was the name of the game, squashing Derrick Henry to the tune of 17 for 58. He did catch three balls for 19 yards, which I know for some people, if you're newer, that may not sound incredible. But for him, that would put him on a career best pace and would probably answer a lot of those questions about his ability to be RB1. Because, you know, just those three for 19 sounds silly. That's five points. Add that up every week. It is going to make a difference. So, Matt. I, I mean, is everyone just completely jumped ship on Tennessee? I get it. The offensive stats were bad, but the defensive line for me, get, not to say it gives them a pass, but it means I'm not ready to throw away the history we've seen, plus the months of analysis we've we've done. So Seattle is good, but, I, man, six and a half to Tennessee. I think Tennessee is going to try and make it a point to run. What do you think about this one? I mean, they can try to make it a point to run, but the entire – reason their offense was successful under Arthur Smith, who went to Atlanta and shit the bed is the play action. And they, they ran it like nearly none uh, in week one, which was their downfall. You know, it's even though, um, even though Ryan Tannehill got to use his wheels and even found the end zone to try to show people like, Hey, maybe there's not as much regression coming on the ground as we hoped, which is a good thing uh, for the rest of the season. Um, as far as investing in this game for week two, I, I can't see doing it because I want to see more because the new, uh, again, the new offensive coordinator or the, the new coach is used to be a, uh, the new offensive coordinator used to be a tight ends. And he decided to completely stop the play action, which again, I wrote an entire article for the athletic saying how I thought Ryan Tannehill could be in for a career year with Antonio Brown coming in because no one was more effective in play action than uh, him than Aaron Rodgers, who was also run by Matt LaFleur, formerly of the Titans. Uh, so they completely changed their offensive week one. If they continue to go that route, I didn't see much to suggest that they're going to get much better. Uh, Chester Rogers led the team in receiving yards uh, tied with targets with Julio Jones. And then AJ Brown had eight Derrick Henry was completely lost against Arizona, which obviously Arizona surprised everyone. So you give a pass there. That being said, 
Um, do I expect there to be a, a big bounce back uh, against uh, Seattle? Sure. I think Derek Henry will be a fine person uh, to have. Not that you're start, sitting him in season long at 8,300 that you're by no means getting a discount on him in DFS. But um, if you're starting a running back in this game, I'd rush rather start Chris Carson at 6,100 who just kind of completely embarrassed the Colts last week. Uh, again, 5.7 yards per carry. So I think that uh, Chris Carson is someone that is someone I definitely want to get in there just as an inexpensive standalone. Um, Russell Wilson will be, you know, I don't know how chalky he'll be, but you know, he'll be paired up with a uh, DK and, and Lockett and a lot of matchups and for, for good reason, Tennessee, we all knew they were going to have problems on defense. Offense is the thing that surprised everyone week one. So Seattle, you obviously want to go with DK and Lockett. You want to avoid the tight ends completely. You want to go for volume, not for end zone. So I think there's better tight ends to go with. So, uh, yeah, DK and Lockett are fine. I think Lockett's the better play at 72 over 76. We know DK is a home run hitter, but Lockett, I think, is more of a sure thing, even though last year he was very up and down. So nothing too surprising um, as far as predictions go. You want to play pretty much the the top <laughs> the top quarterback, the top running back, and the top two wide receivers in Seattle. On, this, on the Tennessee side, uh, as far as betting on a bounce back, I just can't do it. Ron and Tannehill look just so bad, and he needs that play action, like I said. AJ Brown's a 6,900 again, only 300 less than Lockett. And, and like we said earlier, those, those guys that we really like in the other game, I mean, 6,900 for Brown, that's still a hundred more than uh, Cooper 500 more than CD lamb, 800 more than Mike Williams. It's just a, it's just a bad price. You could try to get him in there as a contrarian pick for sure. He's so talented. And if he bounces back here, he'll never be this inexpensive again. So I think that if you wanted to go that route, maybe throw in AJ Brown independently. Um, and, but I don't think I'd stack him with, with Ryan Tannehill personally. Yeah. Lots of great points. Hard to, hard to, hard to disagree with much except for, you know, some of the pricing that DraftKings has kind of allowed you where Henry is coming in at 8.3, man, that is so cheap for, the potential he provides Seattle was really not great against the run in week one. And man, this is, this is hard for me to frame because it, it's not about giving Tennessee a pass. So maybe I need to go back to some baseball terminology where for predictive uses, that doesn't really mean much to me because Tennessee's number one focal point in strategy is going to be to implement the run game. Like, yeah, it didn't work last time. It doesn't matter. They're going, they're going to go back to the well, and they weren't able to do it against Arizona. Seattle, not as good up front with that front seven. Tennessee front line is pretty good. I'm not really to give, I'm not ready to give up on them, especially when I saw them get beat up by what I thought was the best defensive line in the league. So I think this is my market overreaction pick. Of the week, I think Tennessee can win this one outright, and it's my favorite long shot at plus two fifty. Again, when a, when a dog is going off at plus two fifty, people lower your bet by two and a half. You just, you know what I'm saying? It's it's always a matter of. I, I believe risk. The, I believe the weather is supposed to be uh, a little off for this one as well. Oh, good. That'll even play even better for Seattle trying. They're more apt to be working through the air, though. Of course, Tennessee can do that as well. But I really think they're going to be more focused on. The ground, you mentioned the player I love, Matt, this week. It's Chris Carson, and it's really because of the price. He just represents the full load. And, ay, 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 that Tennessee rush, he was just – it was atrocious. It was so, it was so, so bad. They, they, gosh, they were really bad up front. Um, 
and I don't think the Arizona conventional run game is very good. And, and they looked really poor. I mean, just negatives across the board, nearly five adjusted um, line yards allowed on defense, th- allowed 33 for 136. Yeah, I, I that's where Tennessee is weak. And I think Seattle was very strong there. Again, I, I had some Carson because of where he was falling in drafts. But I, I really sold him short. He looked very strong. He was on my notes. Again, not that that means that much, but it was on my notes. Seattle ran a creative run scheme. That part of that is Russell, right? Because you have to keep an eye on him. He's not necessarily a burner. He's not like Murray or Jones or where he's going to take off for 70. But he's so smart with the running that if you leave him open, it's an automatic first down. And it's like whether it's six yards or 18 yards, Russell is just that kind of high IQ guy. He's going to find the marker without taking a hit. And that's super frustrating because generally those are plays you feel like you defended it well. So you have to keep an eye on him. He's going in one direction. Carson and the guard are going the other direction. And that was why you saw some of those kind of monster gains. So I really love Carson. I think he represents a really good value. And you mentioned it before, Matt. I think maybe my big takeaway just from our analysis overall is this is a week that I'm not really paying up for my running backs. I think I'm going to live in the, you know, I think I'm going to live in the 6,000, which is a bit low for me. I'm a conservative player. I generally like high volume, you know, running backs. They're generally in the eight and the nine. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing my fades are up top. You know, I'm fading cook this week. I'm not interested in that. So I, I like the, you know, the Harris we mentioned and Carson and even Damian Harris. I was mentioning Najee before. So is there anything last on on this one, Titans and Seahawks? Do you think – the way you're talking about it, do you think Seattle blows Tennessee out? That's kind of the feeling I was getting. Even if not blow out, you feel like this six and a half is not large enough? No. What I Honestly, my feeling is I'd like to avoid – from a betting standpoint, I'd like to avoid this one altogether, especially with the weather up in the – up in the air. You don't know if this will be a passing or rushing game literally on either side. If Tennessee decides to go back to the well, which after week one, I would think that they'd want to go back to their play action ways. But again, if you spent the entire offseason not playing that, it's not going to happen. So Probably yeah, if really Tennessee is the offense that we saw in week one, they blow um, and they're going to continue to. Uh, but I could see them turning it on really easily. Um, their their secondary or their their wide receivers are just too good to be this bad. Um, you know, you know, even with the way they were playing, they'll they'll make some plays. So uh, it's 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 difficult. I think that the the pricing is maybe a little bit high for Russell and the wide receivers, considering this could turn into a running game as well, just like kind of a controlled game. Even if Seattle does get up, it could just be Carson versus Henry. There's so many different variations here where. Um, unless I have a ton of entries, I'm, I'm more than likely going to just back off this game altogether, even though there's so many avenues um, for, for scoring. I mean, well, the running, so, I think so the running list. backs are, 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 are safe-ish. I think plenty of people will be off Henry because of last week, and Chris Carson never gets the respect. So for, from your analysis, actually, I, I hadn't mentioned it. I had been doing it for the other games. This one is, is tied for that top totally. I mentioned it in passing with Dallas and, and L.A., but 54 and a half, how do I put this? Generally, analysis would lean a lot more towards a passing offense. If we're talking about 54 and a half, you sound like your lean would at least be under. Not to say you don't think it could go over. Of course, the potential is there. But it sounds like your lean is for under 54 and a half. Yeah, I, I, yes. I, I think there's more. Um, the narratives to be drawn, the leads to an under in this one. Yeah, twenty. Listen, I, I see. That's where I. That's where I agree with you. And you and I again have similar styles of thinking with this. Where it's it's kind of downrange. These teams are want to establish runs and have done it successfully. So if that happens, because the other side is not great at it, you could just see clock getting eaten up 
So, yeah, I, I think that one uh, that lends itself to an over as well. I saw the 54 and a half. I don't really bet totals, but I just thought that one was a little bit hairy. I wasn't quite there. All right. One more on the dock Sunday night game. Here we go. It's Chiefs and it's Ravens. I think everyone coming into opening kickoff was really circling this one on, you know, but maybe not for the reasons we are now. Chiefs favored by three and a half. That same top total, Matt, 54 and a half. So the market's expecting KC to win. Remember, they're on the road with a lot of scoring in this one. Baltimore, the biggest disappointment from last week. I, I just don't know what I think. I'm worried that the injuries have just caught up to them. That being the kind of thing that can sandbag a great team. Unfortunately, a couple of key big injuries can do just that. The Ravens have had almost too many to count. The Chiefs are my favorite team in football from you know a favorite's perspective. I think they can cover anybody. I can almost take the Chiefs minus three and a half blind. Matt, talk to me about talk about this one. I, I don't think this one's as close as three and a half. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's hard to. I think the Browns came to play, even though they coughed it up. They they kind of put it on the Chiefs and made that a good game. I don't think the the Ravens necessarily have the personnel to make that happen. I think the Chiefs will be coming out making a statement here. That being said, I love a lot of the plays in this game. I probably won't be too much on the Chiefs like everyone else is, but Kelsey at 8,100 seems like a nice little lock for me. Uh, paying, if you want to pay up a tight end, he seems, uh, you know, after watching what Darren Waller did against the um, against the, the Ravens last week, I think Travis Kelsey at 8,100 seems like a nice spot. Mark Andrews at 5,100 is weird because he didn't really see that many targets. He got five out, you know, um, Tyson Williams had four Brown, six Watkins, eight. I mean, that ended up being only 16.7% of the target share. And that's not, what you want to see, but at 5,100, you could obviously try to pair him up with Miss Lou Lamar Jackson. who only comes in at 7,500 who a lot of people like to say doesn't play well against the chiefs, but he always runs well. Um, and he's, I think going to be a, uh, you know, he's going to have an incredible rushing floor and they're going to be playing from a little bit from behind in this. So I think that if you wanted to make a, uh, again, a nice little sneaky stack, I don't dislike Tyson Hill. I know a lot of people, even at 5,100 are off of him because Latavius Murray, um, you know, Latavius Murray had 10 carries to his nine and, you know, considering he didn't even know the place, uh, but Tyson did get four targets. I think that, I think that a 5,100, that is just too cheap to ignore. I think you could stack up Lamar with Tyson and, uh, and Andrews. I'm not sure I would really, I'm not really confident in Hollywood Brown or Watkins at 59 and 55, but they're cheap enough where you can obviously mix them in there. Watkins had the most uh, targets at eight with four for 96. Hollywood Brown had six for six and 69 and, and met the end zone. If anyone, I think I'd go with Hollywood just because we know how Watkins were. So yeah, I think there's actually... Um, a chance to get some garbage time underrated offense out of the, out of the Ravens here when everyone else is probably stacking up the, uh, the Chiefs. So I, I, I like this game quite a bit. Um, nothing against again, Tyree killer Mahomes. I'm not, I'm not mentioning him because everyone else in the world is, uh, but yeah, overall um, you can't, you can never go wrong with putting him in their lineup. Therefore they, I don't even need to dignify that with an, with an answer. I think the interesting thing here is on the Ravens side who you know, even though in the end, the Browns uh, had a hard time at the end, they still put up 29 points. Nick Chubb, who obviously is much better than anyone we're talking about, did put up 15 carries for 83 yards, added another 33. Um, and a lot of, you know, there was 
pretty much three wide receivers that basically went over 70 yards. So there's, there's, uh, there's room to score here on Kansas city. for sure. Yeah, man. I really like the Ravens so much coming in and having watched that and just seeing them struggle. So, so much was really has me kind of worried because I, I think the chiefs defense is better than they played to start. Then we saw them kind of come alive a bit against a Browns offense that can be awesome when they're really going and healthy, which they are and still missing Beckham, but just up front, I mean, um, what, why Teller in, in particular we're talking about. So, man, I, I just think the Chiefs get away with this one. It's not that I don't like the Ravens and not that I don't like their, their skilled. I think you're right, though. I think the Ravens are going to have to run to have success. So I think Williams is a really nice play in that game, fantasy, everything else and otherwise – other than that, I don't know why I'm not really into the total here. This one matches the total again. I'm, I just don't see the shootout. I mean, obviously, I don't know the future, but compared to some of the other games that have these totals, I think there's just I think it's just a better chance it happens in the other games. I mean, there's a 54 and a half for teams that I think are, are going to are going to move the clock a lot. You know, the Ravens. It's it's Jackson on the move, man. He feels like a one man band now. He did get it to Watkins a punch, which I guess I kind of called halfway, but. It still was just not that great. So I don't really have much on this one other than I'm just going to look for the Chiefs to cover. They're very hard to bet in the prop market because they're so expensive. They're very hard to play in daily because they're so expensive. And they're very hard to bet outright, the Chiefs, I mean, because they're always so juiced up. So until the Ravens get healthy and show me what I want to see, I'm I'm not going to really be backing them at all. Matt, that was everything. 1 p.m. to 8.20 p.m. All the goodness that one could possibly want. I mean, I don't think I don't think anybody could have any appetite left after the amount of stuff we just dropped. So if you have anything left on Casey Baltimore, by all means. And if not, that was the Daily Bits podcast with me at FL Moving Averages, Mr. John Legaza at MLB. M-O-V-I-N-G-A-V-G. And my good friend Matt, man, I am loving this podcast. Take us on out, pal. Yeah, there's a, we covered a lot like usual. Uh, Got to say my favorite game of the day. Uh, thinking back on it is maybe the Bengals. Uh, I'm, I'm all I'm all aboard the the Bengals and uh, uh, there's so many there's so many cheap stacks to go for. I think the cheap stacks are the way to go. Yeah, the Eagles I think too. are underrated. They're just underrated. There's just some underrated stacks I think to attack this week. I think that there's a uh, I think there's a, there's certain traps out there. I think Arizona's a bit of a trap offensively just because of how much they could spread around there. But yeah, go back, listen to the show, and uh, you know while you're doing your chores, while you're mowing your lawn, whatever, the fall's coming. So uh, thank you for listening to the show. I am Matt Williams, M A T T W Y seven seven I M S on Twitter. You can talk to me anytime you want. DMs are always open. This is the bliss, licking their lips. Twitter with this, minimal risk, finity shares, ripping off red, quick in the hits, first on the list. This Matt Will going crazy on the daily, dropping facts. Like a shower in the world of rain and entertainment Yeah, another day, another pod All these thoughts are up for size So I had to ask him what he got Said he got a lot, said he got a lot of work Got a lot of shifts and it's time for the daily Blitz, Blitz.